0: Tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County, slatteriesgarage.ie.
1: morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number, it won't cost you anything to make a call. And Emma is looking after the programme today. My thanks to Ali for uh, sitting in for me yesterday. Coming up on this morning's show, uh, listeners sharing their views on various different uh, topics. We have some reaction to the Quinn Country documentary. Farmers Journal with uh, Katrina Morrissey, Muriel Cuddy of Morito 8020 will speak to us today about body impact. Image. We have a taste of Down Your Way from Feathered. So all of that and much, much more on The Way. You can text and WhatsApp 83 311 You can email tip today at tipfm. Dot com. Headlines on uh, some of the newspapers today The Irish Independent Key grounds for Killer Dewar's appeal revealed Pat brought you this during our news bulletin uh, Lawyers for Graeme Dewar are uh, set to tell the Court of Appeal uh, the case against him should never have gone to a jury because there was an abundance of evidence uh, as to what caused uh, child care Worker Elaine O'Hara's death. Um, the, the Irish Daily Mail, Christmas chaos fears for airport staff shortages that cause chaos for passengers at Dublin Airport in the summer could be repeated this Christmas. That's according to the voice of doom himself, Ryanair's uh, Michael O'Leary. The Irish Examiner leading with the fire safety defects. In a 60 million euro complex, uh, fire safety defects have been uncovered in one of the largest housing developments in the state. Following the purchase of 60 million euro worth of homes by a major build-to-rent investor. Also on the examiner today, a groundbreaking treatment which slows the effect of Alzheimer's disease has been described as an injection of hope in the fight against the disease. So some uh, good news there. Also following some discussions we had on the programme uh, during the week, the uh, Taoiseach, Hall Martin, has questioned why people own dangerous breeds of dogs and he told the Doyle that it's time to go back to the drawing board of legislation on animals and I'm sure many people would agree with that. The Irish Times, EU to beef up Brexit deal enforcement capabilities with uh, tariffs. This is an interesting one. The European Union is to enhance its powers to enforce its Brexit agreement with Britain through retaliatory uh, trade tariffs. So that will be, a, I suppose, a weapon in the armoury um, in the talks with uh, Britain. Also on the Irish Times uh, today, inflation appeared to stall in figures released yesterday, sparking hope that sky-high price growth uh, is past its peak as uh, joblessness levels in Ireland continue to fall. So that's a look at what's making headlines today. If you want to comment on any of that, 083 311 mm-hmm. Now we've had a lot of stories sent to us uh, concerning Uh, illness benefits and qualifications and Alan dropped us a message yesterday and um, he joins me online. Good morning to you Alan. Morning friend. how are you? I'm very well indeed but uh, really good to talk to you today. Would you tell me about your partner Alan?
2: Um, Okay I'll go back to the beginning. Back in 2020 Sophie was diagnosed with lymphoma, um, a disease of um, cancer of the blood and lymph nodes. Um, she recovered. She came through. The people in has done a good job and had to get through it. And then she went back to work. A few months later, then her eyesight is started to deteriorate, and she lost her eyesight in July of this year. Um, and basically, that's it. Um, and what we w- was the train.
1: loss? Yep. Was the loss of her eyesight? Was that? Um, because of the cancer, or was it completely unrelated?
2: Um, To be honest with you, the the investigations are still ongoing. She's been through the eye surgeons. Um, They've now passed her on to neurology. They don't think it's neurology, so they're still investigating it. So they don't know if it's going to be long-term or short-term.
1: Right, and how profound is the eyesight loss, Alan? What is it at, at this stage?
2: Um, she, well, she can't see any objects, she can't see any person, she can't see anything but the only thing she can see is colours bright, right. bright colours in front of her eyes that's all she can see
1: Right, so tell me then about your application for, for benefits what What was the story
2: there? Yeah, so um, we put an application in, in for illness benefit back in July um, we didn't think it would be successful we knew that because she hadn't worked for the previous two years, that her stamps would be low.
1: But she couldn't because she was dealing with a a cancer
2: diagnosis. Correct, yes. Um, They didn't take that into account. Um, But the thing that annoyed us the most was the lack of communication from the illness benefit um, to us. Um, We didn't hear back from them until November with with an answer as to what the application was successful enough and it wasn't um but we're not angry at that we're just angry at the amount of time it took the illness benefit people to come back to us we sent them emails i sent them emails obviously sophie can't um, send emails yes and they kept sending replies back about gdpr gdpr so we contacted the local uh welfare offices. they were very nice they were very helpful they were telling us that there was a backlog. So we just let it roll on, ringing them every week and still no communication. Um,
1: Now, obviously, when Sophie was working, it was a very important part of the house budgeting. Um, Without her being able to bring in any funds, um, how are you managing now?
2: Well, I'm having to work uh, 62 hours a week. I'm away from home 13 hours a day, which is 65 hours (laughs) Uh, working for 62 of those, so I don't get to see her. There's nobody at home with Sophie. She doesn't have any relations in Ireland. She doesn't have any visitors. Um So until we can get our income sorted out, she's basically stuck there on her own, really, until um, I can get my hours reduced.
1: And she can't see, so I presume she has difficulty getting around and the like.
2: Yeah, well, we live in a small apartment, so that doesn't really help, but... She knows where everything is and she can cope with getting around the apartment. She just can't go outside and she can't do any cooking. Um, Meals have to be prepared for her before I leave for work so she can eat during the day.
1: And is she receiving any benefit at all?
2: No, she's not receiving any benefits. No, they're saying that my income is too high, I think they're saying. And the reason why my income is high or sufficient... Is because I'm having to work 62 hours to pay for everything. And there's no allowance
1: for that, that you're trying to pick up the slack here. There's no...
2: No, I'm a, I've applied for another benefit. Um, we're not back on that because it's means-tested. Um, I'm going through another form now today, which is incapacity or oh, invalidity pension. Sorry, yeah. So, And that's means-tested as well, so we're probably won't get anything on that.
1: No, I don't uh, think it is because we, just on your behalf we made a couple of calls and Ryan O'Mara, okay. who is the Fianna Fáil rep in uh, North Tipperary, he was telling us that the invalidity pension could be an option for your partner okay. because it's not means-tested and she should meet the criteria there. Um, okay. And it's it's a standard of being permanently incapable of work. and yes. And they're offering to help you... Uh, with your application as well. So that might be a possibility for you.
2: Yeah, yeah but, but if it's not means tested, then that's great. That would be very helpful. Yes. That means I can reduce my hours. Um, the only other option we have is if, if they don't agree to give her any entitlements is I'd have to give up work altogether and become a full-time carer, which I don't really want to do that yet because that would just put more pressure on finances.
1: Wouldn't it just uh, because yeah. you know the the remuneration there is very very small indeed as well you know
2: yeah um, and just one more point on the yeah, sure. load lack of communication now yeah. from you know Dublin and everyone's pointing the fingers at Dublin but um, just to let you know that when we we approached the TD and Clonmel on a Monday about a few weeks ago and by the Tuesday morning there was a reply on the doormat from Social Welfare. So they can respond when they need to, you know.
1: But but only when they're pushed into it, is, they, is that only what you're saying Only when they're to me?
2: pushed, yes, only when they're pushed. Only for that TD, we'd probably still be sitting here with no reply.
1: Right, do you want to name that TD?
2: Oh, well, I can if you want, yeah, it's yeah. Matthew McGraw. yeah. He's, it okay. was his office that um, made the phone call and got on to them.
1: Right. So and what?
2: they issued a letter straight away.
1: Yeah, it it is amazing. Did you manage outside of the, the the local um social welfare offices and the like, did you get to talk to anybody in person or was it all by email and
2: Um I rang the Citizens Information on a few occasions. Yes. They they've sent they've been very kind, they've sent out forms, have told me what I can do next. And they're the ones who are kinda of guiding me along the process of filling out forms and what to apply for and what to do next with comes back. So they've been very helpful, yeah. Right. But other than that, nobody, now.
1: And there's no account taken uh, that the reason that your partner couldn't work was because she was dealing with cancer. That That's not taken into account at all.
2: No, they didn't take into account at all. They just said her PRSI contributions were too low for that's the illness benefit. They didn't even tell us what we would be entitled to.
1: That's just incredible.
2: Yeah, so what happened to do this all alone? Um, As I said I'm at work 13 hours a day. Um, I'm not five days a week but now she's under four consultants so there is a lot of time being taken off to bring her up and down to Waterford to the hospital as well.
1: But not only are you both dealing with you know the aftermath of her cancer diagnosis, her loss of her eyesight but there's an anxiety now to, to financial issues.
2: Yeah, financially, you know, we're always worrying. I've had to sell off some of my um, private possessions, personal possessions, like uh, my motorbike. I had to sell that during the year because finances got very low. Um, We always like to keep everything paid up. We don't want to be into any trouble with anyone, especially in today's day and age with landlords and rents and everything. Yeah. So everything's always paid up front and make sure I keep everything myself. It's so just getting you, are, harder and harder. You both have a
1: good record with with
2: everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. We're up to date with rents. We're up to date with bills. We're up to date with everything, you know.
1: Right. But but only because you're you're working sixty two hours a week and
2: Yeah. That's because yeah. I'm having to work long hours. Um and during my breaks I'm having to deal with issues like with doctors and with
1: bringing around social welfare and organising appointments and visits as well, you know. it's know. Um, <coughs> it, it, sure, had you any idea before you were thrown into the midst of this that that these impediments exist in the system out there? Have you, had you any idea about this? No, I no. didn't know anything, no. <laughs> and that's what we hear all the time, is people don't know um, anything about the detail of this until they're put in the position of needing some help.
2: Yeah, I mean, we can't knock them all the way. They did, it? they did look after her when she had cancer as well. But it's just, it's just now. It's just this year. Like being held up for four or five months. Not, not, not a word from them except an email to say we can't discuss it because it's you know? How is if
1: really. she doesn't mind us talking about us uh, about her? And uh, I know you were saying to Emma she doesn't. But how how is she dealing with the eyesight uh, last, Alan?
2: Um, she's still trying to cope with it. It's not easy. Um, she's, it's affecting her mental health as well. She's having, like, breakdowns. There are some of you, she often tells me things about the cancer and why did I cure it? Or I they just, you know, if I knew I was going to be blind, I'd rather they didn't cure me, you know? My God. So, so yeah, it's kind of hard her. Ah,
1: oh, the poor daughter. Is there any indication that the eyesight loss might be temporary?
2: Um, we don't know. They don't know but until they find the cause. They really don't know what's going on
1: with it. All right. Well, we'll put you in touch with some people, and um, they may well be able to help you out where this is concerned, Alan. Is that okay?
2: Oh, that's great. Thanks for your help. Yeah. All right. But
1: my, my my best to your partner. Do do look after yourselves anyway. And thank you for coming on with me, Alan. Thank you. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Good good morning Bye. Bye. to you. That's uh, Alan with his story there. Um, trying to get some illness benefits and finding huge uh, difficulties with that. Very similar stories we've been hearing uh, this week and last week. Um, 1800 007. Back in just a moment.
3: Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
1: Mick goes on to us. As we pointed out, invalidity pension is not means tested, but uh, Mick goes on to say that it is taxed, uh, though, as a household income. Another listener on to say I was waiting for about three to four months for a reply from a social welfare office in Dublin also couldn't get a response I called Matthew McGrath's office and I had a reply the following day and also Vivian in the office was just amazing So there you are now, 083311 Yesterday Ali spoke to Mick and Willie about their reactions to the cabinet signing off on plans to lift pay caps on the banking sector, Banksville uh, be allowed now to pay bonuses of up to €20,000 a year, and that pay cap of €500,000 a year is to be uh, lifted. Well, William was in touch, and he joins me now. William, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today. How do you feel about this, William? should look, it's... it's um, I suppose one way of looking at
4: it is those, some of those people haven't got a wage increase, let say, for a number of years, and another way of looking at it is are they not being paid well enough as it is.
1: Well, according to the banks, if they're to have uh, people of the ability that they're looking for, um, because there's such um, attractions internationally for these people, that they have to pay this kind of money.
4: Yeah, maybe true, but with the guidelines that are being set out for loan and money to people and, and hoops that you have to jump to, you know, for loan and enough money in, in, in normal banks, it's, 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 it's a normal day job, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, why do you pay bonuses on something that it's it's standard procedure to to do XY Z, to, to, to give out a loan to someone?
1: So you're wondering why they should pay bonuses out in the first place when people are, are mad looking for, for mortgages, I suppose. And...
4: Yeah. Yeah. Look it's it's uh it's it's a part of the job, it's a it's a part of the description. If you're getting a loan, you do your they're looking for all the the different things you need, unless they're doing international banking um, or doing shares or something like that. That takes a lot more work. Uh, I I I'd question what the payouts are for.
1: And but that probably is the possibility there. I mean, if they're talking about bonuses of up to twenty thousand euro a year, you're talking about some serious books. So I presume it's not your normal domestic mortgage that they're they're talking about. I would, I would imagine, William.
4: You, you would imagine so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, it seems to be a different um your know, banking i suppose has changed over the last thirty forty years so it's 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 like everything else; it's it's gone more international, I presume. Um, so that's maybe why some of the payouts. But if it's just for the normal banking, there'd be a standard increase in wages would be would be suffice more than than paying out bonuses for loaning out money because that's what got Ireland in trouble. Um, you know, before the Celtic Tiger, where bonuses are being paid out for the more money you could lend, and should we see where that got us?
1: Absolutely. I mean, uh, we we still see the remnants of that around the country with houses boarded up and all sorts of stuff, I suppose. Um, the top pay, though, I mean, that cap of 500000 is gone now. So presumably these uh, banking executives, that they're demanding this kind of money and they can get it in other places. So if we're to have the top boys and girls in the top jobs, this is what we have to pay.
4: Yeah, look, I like it. Um, but pay anyone... Over five hundred thousand a year for a top job—it's—it's—it um, hmm. won't be damn good at what they're doing because that is a, a colossal wage for for anyone,
1: isn't it? Um, just, yeah.
4: You know, even our our lawmakers um, don't even get that.
1: Well, this is the thing about it, you know. Um, like, five, I, I can't imagine how you would reckon you would deserve five hundred grand, even though they'd probably tell you they're bringing in millions and millions and millions into into the bank with their various skills and financial things. Well, look. I suppose
4: if they're financial gurus, if they are, um, I suppose like the, you know, a lot of jobs, there was a lot of chancellors, there was a lot of heads of 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 banks over that's, the that's number true. of years, and yeah. and they didn't um, they didn't do a very good job on it, but they, they didn't they didn't lose their their job. They finished up with good pensions. Like uh, I know the man is is gone over Michael Singleton, I suppose, yeah. National Irish Bank. Um, he was the the, the guru at one stage, but sure, he finished off to be in a bit of a, a bit of a go by.
1: Yeah, well, we'll be talking about um, uh, Quinn as well later on because have you seen that documentary, by the way, William? I no did. One? I
4: looked at it last night.
1: Yeah, what what did you make of it? Because of course, you know, Anglo-Irish involved in that as well. What what did you make of the discussion?
4: Um, I, I suppose the one thing I'd say is um, Sean Quinn, I suppose, in the early part of his career, he was he was an absolutely superb businessman. He created a lot of employment for that area. For in that
1: a real night. black spot. There. Yeah, and yeah. He,
4: he made it into something like when you looked at the, the factory last night, looking back over mm. to town, all those houses, majority of those houses were, were probably thanks to Sean Quinn's employment that mm. they were on the ground. But then you look at it, he got, he got greedy and he, he went into, if he stayed in the businesses that he was in, instead of going into shares, um, Probably Sean Quinn. It's would still be in, prominent in, in business, away.
1: Yeah, if he stayed with what he knew, I suppose. Yeah. Yes,
4: um, it looks like that. He he just he got greedy. Um, they saw a bigger pot, and look the weddings they have. They were getting more extravagant, so they were they went into this big lifestyle, and and it came crashing down.
1: Yeah, it's interesting what money does, isn't it? Um, Well, they always say greed is the root of all evil. Indeed. Um, What about uh, where the banks then are concerned? Would you say, was Pascal uh, Donoghue, was he correct to push this through, do you think?
4: Well, well, he's he's since the president of the European Bank Mm. um, on the political side in Brussels, so maybe he has maybe an insight more of what... Is going on on a European level more than maybe what us in yeah. Ireland have, but I would question paying out um, more than five hundred thousand for a wage for 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 the, the the cap and releasing that cap that they can now pay more. Um, as for bonuses in 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 banks, if you're doing your job, I think a wage increase should suffice for everyone. But maybe he knows a little bit more than what we do. But I. Yeah. we we'll question it a small bit. It oh, the,
1: the UK, you see, they, they've uh, got rid of these caps as well. So maybe that's where the talent might go and that's what they're, they're afraid Possibly
4: of, they're, they're or. leaking um, or the, the good people that are needed maybe to run these banks are being leaked to other states and maybe to hold on to them or to get them, you might have to release the shackles.
1: I suppose. Do you, do you feel angered? Because a lot of people do. Certainly what we hear on this programme, William, um, that here we bailed out this this entire... Uh, group, I suppose, and um, you know, they pull out of communities willy-nilly. They do really what they want. Um, They were attempting to get rid of ATMs and stuff until people power stopped that, but I think it's only a temporary stop on it. Um, What do you make of all of that? Well, well,
4: there was an old saying with the old people, cash was king, but the way it's now going is cash isn't wanted, it's all credit card. And the younger people use nothing, only a credit card, and that is the, the, or a debit card whatever you want to call it, They are, that's the way they bank. So in a number of years, there will be no cash left. And I I think that is, to me, that is very frightening. Um, It's a frightening scenario because when you have cash in your pocket, you have control. But if you only have a debit card in your wallet, you have no control because they can pull the plug whenever they want. Um, they have total control of your finances. If you want to go for a mortgage or you want to go for any loan, all they have to, lo- to do is look at your bank statement, see what way you're spending, and then they could often tell you you're you're, you're ruthless at spending or you're, you're not minding your money, we won't give you a loan. And that's the way the world is going. I don't think the younger people realise that.
1: That everything is being tracked.
4: That's what they want to do. They want to track. If you have, only, if you have no cash... Um, facilities in in anywhere of shops or anything they know exactly how much money is in the in it is in the country or in the bank at any given time and and there won't be a, a euro out
1: yeah and and as you say this is the road we're going down whether we like it or not I suppose
4: yeah and and even charities running fundraisers like you know they're they were always relying on, on cash donations yep. you know there are milford hospices running you know there's there any there's their barbecues or, or any of those events they'll, in, in a few years they they won't be getting any of those they'll be looking for debit card transactions over phones and stuff and you know and they do so much great work that the likes of them are going to be ruled out and um, people running lot in their in their local clubs yep. or split the pots you know they're Long term, people won't be able to fundraise because they've always got the few euros from some of your two euros in your pocket, but you'll buy a ticket. But you're not going to. They're not going to have a credit card machine to take those payments.
1: Interesting and food for thought for sure. William, good to talk to you today. Thanks very much and a happy Christmas to you, William. Happy you. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, William speaking to us uh, today about uh, the banking industry. How do you feel about that Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven b says because of the banking disaster and the austerity that followed. My special needs son had all of his services cut and uh, they've still not been been uh, reinstated to date as a full-time carer. My allowance was also cut and we are still not uh, back to the allowance paid prior to the banking crash. So yes, I have big problems with the banking elite receiving bonuses, says B.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: And now, Lister says, you talk about high earners, 500 grand plus. Isn't Ryan Tuberty on that kind of money in RTE? And for what doing a few... A few hours on radio and The Late Late Show as well. I don't think he's been paid 500 grand, but I'd I'd say 400 grand plus, as is some others there, Mr. Darcy and the like as well. Um, Okay, uh, lots more coming into us where that is concerned. But one, Alan spoke to me at the top, and he was telling us about the difficulties uh, himself and his partner having in uh, getting... um, Uh, ...sickness benefit... Um, uh, ...listen around to say... ...I'm absolutely livid Fran... ...there is a man working his backside off... ...paying his taxes and PRSI contributions... ...and can't get illness benefit... ...for his partner who is genuinely sick... ...it beggars belief... ...his mental health must also be affected... ...and I'm sure that of his partner... ...the couple need help... ...where are all the local TDs... ...to me it's always the hard-working... ...genuine people that are penalised into us on double three double one. Now, as you will have heard over the last few days in our news bulletins, uh, Tipperary County Council have been awarded €200,000 under the Department of Rural and Community Development's Outdoor Recreation Infrastructure Scheme, there's a mouthful, to upgrade the existing Tipperary Town to Limerick Junction walkway. Now, the project includes pathways widening and uh, resurfacing, uh, pedestrian safety measures, and other improvements. Now, David Maloney from the N24 uh, Road Facebook group was in touch, and he joins me now. David, good morning to you.
5: Hello, friend. Thank you very much for having me.
1: You're very welcome indeed. You have some concern about this spend, David. Will you Will you explain to me?
5: Okay. The, um, the background is, anyway, that footpath was only completed a few years ago. Yes. And it was about six foot ro- wide. That was a great addition to have, right? But um, the problem with it, it's not maintained because um, there's vegetation actually encroaching on both sides of it. What was uh, six foot wide now is down to four foot and in some places even down to three foot, right? And um, there's dead leaves on it because I walked it just yesterday to be sure mm. what it was like, right? I mean, there's slip hazards because there's dead leaves and um, ponding in pools of water, right? And another thing too, in the summer months, right? You would have briars growing out across it, right? Which are like barbed wire and they're not cut back, and they grow a few, several feet, you know, in a few weeks, right? And even I, uh, and I said, uh, they're not cut back. And the big issue is, sorry, with it is uh, I mean, the, I mean, it's fine the way it is. They got a grant to, um, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, because it's sad if you look at it, right? But, but up 200,000. But the plan is by the council um, on the N24 is to d- dig out all that road and all that footpath and realign it. So in, um, in a few years, it could be all dug up, you know. And um, You mean, I mean it will
1: be dug up anyway, so you're saying this will be a waste of money?
5: Oh, yeah, 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 it will be. I mean, the intention is to dig it all out, right? But, I mean, we don't know with the new road, is there going to be um, a cycle path, and is there going to be a footpath? I mean, the council, again, uh, I mean, the cavalier and their attitude, they want to tell you, right, so, I mean, you could end up with having nothing, you know, if they don't. I mean, you think they would, but, I mean, they won't commit to anything, right? Mm. But what I'm actually saying is what they should do is, I mean, it's a great idea to um, have a footpath and a cycleway, right, along into town. But what they should actually do and do what they did with the Limerick to Cork Road, I mean, their intention is to actually build a separated um, greenway, no. no, so you, I mean, they could build a greenway, right, from Limerick Junction through to Burytown, down to Care, they could go on to Clanmel, and then you could link up with the, um, the Blue Way the, down to Carrick and Shore, and there's intentions to connect. But that is, is
1: that not their intention, David, to come from oh, no. Sonnerhead there da- all the way down?
5: Down where? No, down. only
1: into town. Only into town. But I thought that this was eventually going to link up in some way, was it not?
5: No, 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 sorry, it's going to link up with a, a track going up to the Glen of Arlo. Okay. Okay, but even the track going up to Marlow won't be suitable for footpaths because it's steep and Quilts won't allow um, cyclists on right there anyway, right? Mm. Right. But, I mean, it would be nice to be able to, for anyone to come down to Limit Junction by train, right, Right, and get onto a greenway and to be able to uh, walk and cycle, you know. Because even mm-hmm. in this day and age, I mean, when I was young, I used to walk and cycle everywhere, but you can't cycle anymore we're on country roads with fast-moving right. and heavy traffic, right? To, I
1: mean, where, where road repairs and, you know, pedestrian measures and improvements are concerned, I mean, 200,000 isn't an awful lot of money. So, you know, in the meantime, yes. over the next few years, if that uh, gets people out and about walking, on that walkway, sure, that has to be a good thing, has it not?
5: No, but sorry, the walkway is perfectly adequate as it is. But, what it, but you're after telling me
1: that it's not.
5: No, 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 I'm just saying because of the lack of maintenance. Yes. Right? But, uh, sorry, up the road from there, from Ballycastine Hotel to Menard, there is no footpath.
1: This is on and the other side of the road.
5: This is out further, you know, Ballycastine Hotel. Yes. To Menard. Yeah. yeah. Right? I mean... Uh, you cannot uh, uh, even last week I saw a woman with her two daughters walking along the edge of the road right when a larry comes along they have to step in onto the grass verge Mm -hmm. I mean that's where the money should be spent right but put a footpath where there is no footpath don't be be just upgrading something that's actually there that is adequate uh, but only that it's lacking uh, maintenance
1: right uh but i presume it, would it not be from ballycastino but would it not be very complicated to put a footpath there because it would narrow an already narrow road that's going into a bend there as you go into sonahead is it not into menard
5: uh, yeah but sorry what i'm actually saying is right there's people walking along there at the moment right mm. you know and they're taking their lives into their hands right you could actually be, I mean there's a grass verge of both sides when right, dig into the grass verge right right and, and put in a footpath you know mm. So, right. um, so that you, can you think be done, the money right?
1: would be better spent in that Oh, fashion, it'd be much, that much
5: better spent. And that's what the locals actually are looking for, right, and asking for, right? I mean, there is plans also. They've got another 45,000, right, to build a road across country from Limit Junction to um, Salahead. Yes. Right? But the problem with that is, again, if you build a road to fields, right, in the wintertime and in the evenings now, even to catch trains and in the evening to get off the train, right, you're walking through a dark um, fields, right, mm. you know, away from the public. I mean, women and adults would find that sort of very dis- discomforting to do that, right? Mm. And then there's, there'll be no public lighting anyway. And i mean, say, so if you can't maintain the um, existing footpath at the moment uh, out on the public road, what, are they going to maintain that at all if yeah, well, you are forgotten about it? Well,
1: funnily enough, I was walking on the Clonmel Bypass the other day and, uh, you know, again, it's a lovely facility. It's wonderful. But again, it was very slippy in parts and it, it, it hasn't been cleaned up. And, it, you know, I, I would advise yeah. people to have a look at that as well. So it's, an, it's not just the pathway out of Tipperary Town uh, that needs to be looked after on a constant basis.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maintenance is a, is a big issue. As I said, uh, there's no point in time spending big money on new things if you don't maintain them. Right. It's like, you know, even in front of your own house, say if you didn't um, spray poison and cut down the the, the weeds, you, you know, it'd be overgrown the tarmac and everything, right? So you have to maintain. You, going
1: back to what you said originally, it, it, the new N24, it, it, are there not, in, in the plans for that, are there not provision in there for walkways and cycling?
5: No, there isn't. No, they they keep talking about incorporating active uh, travel, right, components, right? Yes. But they they haven't committed on a single thing, and they won't produce... I mean, they've been working for the last six months, right, producing drawings, right? And the drawings they've been producing is just to get the outline, to get... the geometry, you know, the vertical and the horizontal alignment, and to show where there's going, what the junctions are going to look like, where there's going to be accommodation roads, where all the entrances from houses, existing houses and farms are severed, right? Mm-hmm. right. But but they won't provide any information. And again, they're back doing what they said before, right? Uh, like last month on which you're right, is, oh, they won't know until the, the end of the day. Mm. That means they won't provide any information until the end of the day, which is, actually, that, that is a failure of communication in a big way, And Consultation, right? And at the moment, I mean, a lot of people, they want a public meeting to find out what is actually happening, right? So because they're uh, keeping you in the dark. I mean, as I said, and, and from know, from
1: the last meeting in in Ballycastine, did you not get more information at that
5: point? Oh, after after I went. No, no, no. At the meeting itself, no, because they're telling everyone they're treating people as being gullible, saying, "Oh, we won't know what the road will look like until mm. it's finally designed, right?" But only when I went onto the radio with you and embarrassed them, right, did they actually come back and say it's going to be a single carriageway, um, and. um uh, and there's only going to be two interchanges, one at each side of the very town, which are roundabouts, and one near Bansha. So, and and, there was an, and the only reason why they provide that was a sort of embarrassed into doing it, right? But I mean, they're back to, again. I mean, they provide updates, and the updates they're actually providing is just regurgitated information that's already known. Talking about what they will do, nothing about what uh, what what they might, what, what they will do in day camps, right? Nothing about what they'll actually do. I mean, at this stage, right? There should be. As I said, they should such provide... I mean, there's millions spent already on the design, right? Yeah. So why don't they provide us with uh, drawings now to show, as I said, the alignment? Because if they should... See, it's very unfair, too. I mean, the, the, I have neighbours, right? Uh, right? And they're trying to sell properties, right? And they have to they pull the property off the market because the optioneer advised and said, no-one's going to buy your property because it's within the corridor, right? Do you know... Right, and, so no, um, nobody
1: knows, really, is what you're saying, yeah? Who Who applied yeah. for the funding for the... I don't hey, know who the applied
5: them. Then, to I, the I, I, then I got on to you know the funny thing is, yesterday I got in, in contact with the people that provided the funding to, to ask them, did they know that the fund this is more or less going to be a waste of money, right? And then they said, you get, you "Get in contact with the local um, authority, whoever the local authority is." But I actually sent a letter to the minister anyway, um, right, to get a response from her because I, I find out with the public service, right. Who don't really service the public anyway, right? you have to go up to the uh, the minister right and uh, right to get answers right mm. you know? but i mean uh, that's what i was I was finding out who applied for the funding right in the first place right you're right i mean say, I mean the person who applied, applied for it locally should have known right you know and the person who provided <laughs> you think that, i mean uh, they should be held accountable right. I mean why are they providing funding for something that's going to be a waste of money without knowing right. without
1: well, knowing it. Well in, in, in fairness, that's that's your opinion on it, but other people might feel differently about it. Are are a lot of people using that walk away, walkway at the moment?
5: No, if you drive along it, you can actually see uh, very few people uh, use it as a walkway, and, uh, and very, very few use it as a cycleway, right? Mm-hmm. Because, uh, okay, the problem is it's not really, uh, people don't like it anyway. Because they used to use that, and they used to come in the road I live on, the back road in Spry Town, but the back road in spray Town, since the council widened it and turned it into a speedway, the pedestrians have stopped using it, right? And another thing, it's not a pleasant walk anyway because you're, you're walking beside heavy. Traffic, you know, and fumes and noise.
1: Yes. So you're right, So
5: it's not it's not a recreational walk. People might use it going to the junction, right? But again, a lot of people come out of the junction and they wait for the bus, right? Mm. To bring them into Tipperary Town.
1: All right. Uh, well, we we'll see. when is the ju- the work due to start? By the way.
5: I don't know. I you don't know. know. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But as, as I said to them before, they start the works. So you need to find out, all right? What's happening, right? With the um, the new road, right? Okay. so oh. not to be wasting money and it's really they should allocate it on building a road, a footpath where there is no footpath which is up from Ballycastane out to Menard that, that, that the locals want
1: Alright David, uh, good to talk to you today and thank you for your time, this David Maloney there of the N24 Road Facebook group, 1800 The text in WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. Somebody's saying the Late Late Show brings in major revenue, so that's what pays Mr. Tuberty, says one of our listeners. And uh, Catherine was on to say, uh, Fran, I've said it often enough uh, and people just won't listen. It's written, cashless society. It's biblical. It's in the book of Revelations. Uh, last book of the Bible, read it and it all becomes clear says uh, Catherine Um, Okay, right, the trough is full again so let the pigs at it Uh, no changes in this country and again that's making reference to uh, the banking issue and uh, the cap on uh, the banking salaries and indeed uh, the bonuses as well now I know Andrew was talking about this uh, earlier on but uh, Christine McVie who played uh, with Fleetwood Mac and wrote some of their most famous songs. Has died aged 79. She was behind hits like Little Lies and Everywhere and Don't Stop and Say You Love Me. She died peacefully at a hospital in the company of her family, according to a statement. And uh, McVie left Fleetwood Mac after 28 years in 1998, but returned in 2014. And the family statement said, we would like everybody to keep Christine in their hearts and remember the life of an incredible human being and revered musician who was loved universally. And uh, we'll be speaking to Andrew about Christine McVie in our usual slot uh, tomorrow on the uh, programme. But uh, just to give you a little taste of her wonderful songwriting ability today, uh, seeing that we just heard of her death. Let's have a listen to Everywhere. The wonderful uh, Fleetwood Mac uh, featuring uh, the late uh, Christine McVie there who's passed away at the age of uh, 79. And uh, a lot of people would be very saddened indeed to hear that huge amount of... uh, Fleetwood Mac fans around the world as I say in our usual slot on a Friday I'll be speaking to Andrew about Christine and I suppose indeed about Fleetwood Mac and about rumours and all of that kind of thing as well. I say that Michael Martin has indicated that he wants to see a review of the kind of dogs people are allowed to own after that horrific attack on the young boy leaving him with life-changing injuries. On Sunday the nine-year-old, he was viciously mauled by that uh, pitbull while playing Um, uh, with his friends at a housing estate in in Wexford in Enniscorthy, and uh, his face was literally torn apart. I mean, I'm not sure if you saw the pictures, but absolutely dreadful. And speaking in the Doyle, the uh, Taoiseach said that uh, the thoughts of everybody were with the boy and his family after the horrific ordeal. Uh, he went on to say, "I don't understand why there's a need to own such dangerous breeds. I believe that we should go back to the drawing board where this is concerned. It's quite shocking." And all of us are very disturbed by what has transpired here. There's also a degree of anger. And that has to be the understatement of the year. Uh, The Taoiseach said attacks on children by dangerous dogs had happened too many times, adding, we all have pets, but there is no need for this and it needs to be seriously examined. I will revert to the Minister to examine whatever cross-departmental approach uh, we should take where this is concerned. Of course, uh, the day before yesterday, we heard from a, a mother of a temporary lady who was also... Uh, mauled by a vicious uh, dog, so it certainly is a problem out there and it needs to be addressed. And again we wonder what do you think about that? Oh wait, three, three double one, double three, double one, Tom. No August and no, Olds they like chucked.
3: Tip Today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage Puck On, you can't beat experience with over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie
1: Welcome back to Tip Today Uh, one of our listeners is saying Fran, do you or doctors or teachers or mechanics get paid bonuses for doing their jobs to the best of your ability. I wonder what Pascal O'Donoghue is intending to do when he retires. Mm, this is one of our listeners. Well, We know he's hanging on to his gig as president of the Eurogroup, even when he hands over the baton of uh, finance uh, this uh, this month, in fact, isn't it? Um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does all right. This sister goes on to say, can we trust our county council to do anything properly? Redoing perfectly good paths. Digging and resurfacing roads several times in one year. No charging points in new car parks uh, opposite the showgrounds. Blocked drains left before heavy rain. Uh, forecasts. We could list endless examples. A bit like kids with a bag of sweets not knowing what to do. Just maintain what we have and plan ahead and future-proof. Plans don't always have to come, uh, don't always come to fruition. Uh, County Council uh, beds, do they even have... Heat pumps or solar or PV energies is one of our listeners. Oh eight three three double one double three double one. Uh, Once Ireland's richest man, Sean Quinn, he had a long journey to amass his wealth uh, from leaving school at fifteen, working on many family farms on on the family farm and spreading his business empire into many sectors. Indeed, some of the tentacles into uh, Tipperary with the uh, Quinn Group's purchase of Barlow radiators back in I think it was 2004 well the Cavan native the subject of that three-part documentary uh, this week Quinn Country uh, delves into the story of Quinn as he rose from a, a teenager working on his family farm to the wealthiest man in the country and then of course bust the businessman was declared bankrupt in 2011 due to billions of euro worth of debt uh, following bankruptcy, he was jailed then in November of 2012 for contempt of court, and he served nine weeks in Mountjoy. Well, Bridget was in touch with us about Mr Quinn, and she joins us now. Good morning to you, Bridget.
6: Good morning, friend.
1: Good to talk to you today. You were kind of mad when you were watching the first episode of this, Bridget.
6: I was. I actually didn't much. I just watched the beginning of it, and I didn't much, anything after that.
1: Why were you so annoyed?
6: Well, I just paid my television license 160 euro Mm -hmm. to watch Sean Quinn on TV. How much have RTE spent on the last four years of doing a documentary on him?
1: I can only imagine. It must have been hugely expensive, I would imagine, because of the amount of work that went into it.
6: Yeah, and like, why do they need to do this? Like After everything people have gone through. Mm. You know,
1: it's just do you not well, think wait, people well, would wait. be interested in the story, though, Bridget?
6: Well, they probably would, like, but I mean, I think we all know the story at this stage, like. Yeah. Do you know? Just dragging everything up again and making people mad.
1: And uh, did you, I mean, from the little that you watched of it, did you learn anything new uh, about the Not at
6: the story? all, no. I only watched the first few seconds of it and then I just turned it off. I just couldn't believe the three nights of him on TV.
1: Yeah, of course everybody is paying a levy on their insurance of 2% since this happened because of the kind of losses um, that's, uh, that he caused, you know. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean,
6: there was a lot, a lot of things that he done. But yeah. um, he seemed to think everything was all right
1: anyway. And is that the impression you got from the little of it that you watched, that he was, was he excusing himself? in?
6: Oh, I, I think so, yeah. And... Um, I think now he's trying to distance himself from it because he mm. wasn't happy with what they documented. Mm. And it w-
1: as he points out himself though and one of our listeners made the point there a while ago as well uh, that, you know, for uh, the area that was a black spot an economic black spot and the like he, he did, in the initial years he did a lot of good for that area.
6: He probably did, yeah. But then look what happened. Yeah. You know, do you think he got and the banks greedy? were just throwing out money here and there, like so? Yeah. You know, oh, I don't. I don't feel sorry for him anyway.
1: <laughs> well, as I said, we'll all pay extra on the insurance uh, for yeah, many years, two percent levy, because of mismanagement, I suppose, of his yeah. empire. Yeah. 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 Do you know they? I, I mean, figures. I don't think there's figures available yet, but I would imagine yeah. there would have been a huge viewership for that series of programs.
6: Well, maybe no. I don't know. Hmm. I didn't actually even know it was on
1: until after the news. And then I realised what it was. I thought, oh, now watching him. Yeah. No. What what do you think about, you know, things in general in terms of ordinary people picking up the tab for stuff like this? And I'm also looking at what's happening where banking is concerned now as well. The bonuses are back. There's no longer the cap on salaries. Um, What about that? Do we learn anything, do you think?
6: I don't think so because I mean at that time even like wages were just getting good, mm. and you were, you know, you were having you were having a bit of extra like, and then it all just went flop like and was like back to I I, I I don't know it's just like yeah you know everybody suffers
1: but you think there shouldn't be coverage of. People like no, this, then is that it? Not
6: at all. That's a waste of time, like and a waste of money. Yeah. But we all know what went on, like so. You know, he wasn't going to tell anything different. I don't think.
1: Well, it's in- interesting to see the way things uh, turn back. Uh, you know, because of all the difficulties with banks and stuff over the years, he was involved with Anglo, as you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's yeah. interesting.
6: Um, yeah. Good we to all talk- paid back first.
1: Indeed. Uh, Bridget, yeah. good to talk to you today and thank you for your time. Thank you, Fran. Thank you okay. and bye-bye to you bye now. Bye. That's uh, Bridget speaking to us. Pat uh, joins me now. Pat, good morning to you. Morning, Fran, and to your listeners. And good to talk to you today, Pat. So, I'd love to know your opinion on this, Pat. What No, uh, well I like Bridget, I was kind of saying to myself, I
7: looking a few minutes and I'd turn it off, but to be fair, I was delighted. I looked at all three parts of it and what I got out of it, was an awful lot of Sincere um, part of Sean Quinn when he was uh, re- the researcher was talking face to face with him. He openly um, answered the questions, and what it gave was a very uh, deep insight into the man and how much he'd done for the area. Now, I can probably relate to the area because my dad was from Baileyboro in Cavan, a very remote part of mm. so I could imagine um, <coughs> that part mm. of. where
1: Sean developed. And and I know that area pretty well uh, too Pat. I mean it really was an employment black spot I mean it was 'was on the border there. It was, 'was, you know, people had difficult times in that area.
7: They had and what Sean done for that area is unbelievable Mm. and like I just, I suppose I went in further into it when I was listening to him and I envisaged the area before he'd done any of this Mm. and you had were very remote areas, you had small little villages like near where my dad grew up, with little pokey pubs and pokey shops. So out of all this that Sean developed, we had vibrant uh, towns, bigger, the small shop going from the supermarket, the pub going from a um, massive lounge to mm. whatever. And even the hotel that he built, and mm. people were saying is he mad? The amount of uh, joy that he brought to that area with all the music events with all the weddings, with all the you know, the get-togethers uh, that he gave. Like what, what came out of that programme last night was a very much the human side of Sean Quinn and what he thought of his area and what he thought of his people and how much he invested
1: in this. I'm sure you're aware at this point, Pat, that he's pulled his endorsement of the programme uh, since he saw the edit of it. He wasn't happy with how it was edited. Can you understand that?
7: Now, what came out of the programme uh, was the very human side and what I saw at the very end of it, to see Sean crying, um, I could imagine um He, the financial institutions, and it sickens me to hear these bonuses and whatever uh, going to all this. The financial institutions destroyed that man, and that man had such ability. And now I was tempted to go down the road of greed, but I, I stared away from because I saw that this was a man with a vision. This was a man given to his community. Even the likes of Quinn Direct now, and what a lot of people would know is even a lot of the staff inside even the Blanchestown Park may have been people from his own area. This is how much he gave to his area and even I try to say to myself I wonder was one of these people that just um, used the people to make his wealth and when I heard of him you know, investing in brand new machinery and all this kind of stuff. And uh, all this, I said to myself, he he's not one of these that's milking the system and, you know, milking the people around. There was a very good
1: ah, but, but hold tonight. on now, Pat. He got, he got very greedy. I mean, in 2011, he had debts of 3.6 billion, 2.4 of which was owed to the taxpayer for loans that he took out uh, on now, shares what, in england Now,
7: came of that programme last night in relation to his debts is when they sold Anglo-Irish and all that went wallet, he said himself, look, he said, all we'll have to do is... Quinn direct is making 200 million a year, we'll just knuckle down we'll pay it back over time and we'll get on with it. But what happened then is our financial institutions moved in on this whole thing and he even said there there was a meeting there and they put proposals to him and he went away and he had uh, thought about it he went back a week later and says, yes we'll go with them, sorry they're not no longer there. So I don't think he was uh, uh, properly treated and I think if this whole financial side of the business was treated differently. I believe that he had to go on him uh, to bring this back and and um, get, get rid of the debt that he had. He, he came across to me as a very sincere guy, but I, I don't know, maybe I'm blindfolded to the whole lot of what went on in the financial side of it, but the financial side of it didn't come out in a very positive light for me.
1: Um, it it There was murky stuff in there though, the kind of people he knew, the kind of people he was involved in and all of that. Do you think, is that inevitable if a guy gets to where he got to? Now
7: again I looked for that in the programme and I said surely there's crooked, you know uh, people in power here. That didn't come up in the programme. Mm. It came up as a guy that was very much um, from the ground, he was very much into his community, very much into his family. Um, there was a lot of decent ingredients in mm. the man I saw, and as I said to you there earlier, I was glad I looked at the three parts of this. I was glad I actually gave time to, mm. to went to this program because I didn't want I was.
1: So, before you saw, just tell me, where were you in your head before Before you saw
7: Before I got into this. I said to myself, the man that started developing all these billions, he's one of these guys into milking the whole system, milking everyone there and the whole lot. But when I saw the human side of that man and how openly and honest he was in those interviews, I got a fair different. I got an image of a person, a a proper businessman. And like Mm. some people might find it hard. When you have a businessman, and what he was thinking about uh, um, was his family and how he's going to do for his family. But he was more so as well what he was going to do for his community. Now, I know, and mm. I can't get my head around, when he started investing in uh, parts of the Ukraine and all mm. that, maybe that's where the greed and whatever came into it. But where I zoomed in on this and where I got an awful lot out of this is what he done for his
1: the grassroots of where he came from. Yeah, it's the only thing is, I I always worry about sort of Robin Hood type situations. You know, I mean, he, he he was a very astute businessman. He was a ruthless businessman. Let's put it, and he got well, greedy. Maybe he, was, he got greedy. Like... You know, I mean, he he did. Now, okay, along the way. It may have benefited a local community, and that's fine. But, I mean, it, w- it was great. I mean, wh- where the insurance company was concerned, Pat, he just didn't put up enough money aside to cover payouts, you know. So. Now,
7: what Sean Quinn, I think my own thinking of the whole lot was and you saw this with his interview there was at the start he, he was bringing in cement and then he said, I wonder, could I make my own cement? Mm. And then he he was using packages and he said, I wonder, could I use my own packages? And then he saw, well, look, this house has been built around my area, whatever. Mm. I can probably make that insulation. So the point I'm getting towards is I feel with the way he was buying and buying and buying shares that Sean Quinn wanted full control over his empire like he, 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 John Quinn was fortunate enough to have very decent people, uh, that he could trust. But when it got into the financial side of things, this is, was the downfall of him, and this was the downfall of him and his empire. So, like, this is there's no one beating around the bush with this. And uh, the financial institutions and they got away scot free. Um, and like you can see the final side of that interview last night, that man was totally broken and destroyed by the financial institutions. Um, Now, he got greedy. He bought shares, shares, shares. But I believe uh, his initial uh, plan down the line was the one thing I need to have control over here of my entire empire is to have uh, control over... My um, my money, my finance.
1: So, what are you saying to me about it? You're saying to us this this sort of wanting control that was part of what brought him down. Is that total? Well, to,
7: in any business, you have to have control of, of every part of your business. You have to have right,
1: But you can't micromanage. You see, you have to.
7: Well, yeah. yeah it, this is where the downfall of Sean Quinn is. You can have a. You can have a business and say you you rely on your accountant to make sure you're booked or whatever. Sean Quinn relied on these financial institutions. And as we know from the Anglo Irish and from stuff that came out in the past of the reckless lending, if somebody went in for one million, they'd probably say, Are you sure you don't want five or six million? There was ruthless stuff went on there outside of Sean Quinn's stuff and that ruthless thing is what brought down that financial institution and brought down Sean Quinn and his entire
1: empire There was, this, uh, there was a comment from Alan Dukes and I'm really surprised that people haven't ran slide. with this Yeah, the, the one that he said that the people of that area, now I'm paraphrasing him but he's basically saying that they'd, they'd be bloodthirsty in some way and that's what they'd be used to. I'm surprised people haven't ran with that. It was an incredible comment wasn't it?
7: Well, now, Alan Dukes came across with a couple of um, comments there. Um, now, now, just I know to
1: remind people, he was appointed chair of... Uh uh, and the Irish for for, for yeah. the 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 unwrapping of it or the unwinding of yes, it, yes yes, to yes, yes, yes. Really yeah.
7: put in the, and the whole um, lot of yeah. it. So he was in IRBC um, there, but what you call it? Alan came out with a couple of remarks, and one of the remarks he came out with is, "We tried to talk to Sean and we tried to tell him, look, if you sell off this bit and this bit or whatever, but Sean, I think." With the roast that he got from the financial institutions, the last people he wanted to take advice off at the end was people coming from a financial background. Now what sickened me about the program last night is and you had this with the thing in Kerry at the time with the priest, the priest using the pulpit basically hammering to that man. And what I saw on that program last night was the effect it even had on Sean's wife. And I just envisaged that priest probably on a daily or a weekly basis calling to their house and being treated with the best of everything, being given probably thousands over the time that Sean was there. He was at probably every dude that was inside uh, that we hotel. don't know that needlessly. Well whatever, it, but yeah. like for what what sickened me is the way that priest turned um, on that individual, and mm. I think myself looking at the destroyed man at the end of that program, that was the final nail in the coffin.
1: I think. Mm. But uh, it uh, came but you're, you're a smart fella, Pat. I mean, you're not you're not completely looking back on Quinn's career with rose coloured glasses, surely.
7: Well, I'm looking at the man, and I suppose this is where I come from. I look at people and the ingredients in people, and to be straight up with you, I saw an awful lot of ingredients and an awful lot of decency in that guy. That guy, what he done for that area, and that will be there for the rest of its days that part, that remote part of that country, the empire that he built up there, that will be there for generations on generations. And that cannot be ignored, what that man done for that
1: remote area. One, 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 one of our listeners, Eamon, he's saying I watched the three nights, I didn't know the full story. Sean Quinn was the author of his own downf- downfall. He's an honest man, but where were his advisors? Buying Anglo shares when they were falling rapidly. The man is not happy within himself now, blaming other this Is not the problem, it was his own greed. He still lives in luxury, though. And Alan Duke says that he has property overseas.
7: You see, Alan duke got that dig in there. And to be straight up with you, like Sean was um, probably like some businessman, and you saw it there. And um, they'll write off dates and whatever, and they'll have thousands. He was probably no different towards the end. But what he, I think, towards the end, and what Alan had to go at him with that stuff was what Sean done when he saw he didn't put in his empire being raveled and ripped up by these financial institutions and basically no regard for the man. even when he went back there into right. the new holding with the glass, you saw him with the tray of whiskey and all that, and they, they, he thought he was back in there and running the show, and they were basically telling him in a roundabout way, look, Sean, we don't want you anymore. That was soul-destroying. Now, I suppose what Sean did not... want want to hear was there was more smarter guys on the block now, had more smarter ideas and uh look, your ideas and whatever were fine in the day, but we need to move on. But like Sean was basically probably finding that hair to take on board, mm. there was an awful lot of human side to that whole tree path, and I got an awful lot out. of Well, and there's a, there's there's a, there's a, a
1: human side me. to everything, but there still, there still was considerable amount of greed, mismanagement, and again taxpayers picking up the tab. Mick in, in Clonmelpad, he says, were you watching a different program than he was watching? <laughs> Quinn Quinn <laughs> has no in- <laughs> Quinn has no integrity whatsoever. Says Mick, he broke every Not financial all, rule as as in the said, book. If
7: you're talking from a person that doesn't understand business, I dealt with business when I walked in three training and all lot, and I know um, I can see Sean side I can see the um, the empire he built, I can see the what he inputted into his community and what he thought of his community. I, I go as far as to say if there was half the quality in our modern day politicians as in Sean Quinn, we'd have a different world altogether. And what I believe, and I'm not into reading at all, but if a book ever came out into the in-depth stuff of Sean Quinn, I'd actually take time to read it because, Mm. um, there's an awful lot of sides to this. and
1: uh, no, right, But uh, it I'm sounds not, to me, Pat, and this is with the greatest respect to you, that you've made up your mind on this, that no, Queen, I haven't queen, made up my queen mind. good guy, uh, business uh, financial guys, bad guys. Is that, is no, that sort
7: of... I, what I was about to say, in this book, I would like to read an awful lot more of what went on. Mm. I'm seeing what I saw on them three pairs, and I'm seeing the genuine, sincere, face-to-face, interviews that he gave with that reporter and that's what I saw on this but I would like to see was he the man that I'm portraying him to be in that community was there a certain amount of greed in his offshore or his Ukraine, was there an awful lot of that? I'd like to read more of that to get into it but from the three parts, and that's what we're talking about this morning, from the three parts of what I saw, uh, this is what I got out of it
1: Right, somebody wondering, are you being uh, sponsored by uh, Quinn Holdings this morning? Somebody else (laughs) saying, wouldn't it be wrong if the priest didn't get up in the pulpit and condemn the assault on Kevin Lunny? He he, he got a round of applause for doing it and I think the listener is very much in the Quinn camp, so there you go. (laughs) Um, uh, Let me see, Uh, lots more coming into us. Uh, It's uh, 2% on every insurance policy you have, including your health policy. Uh, The one he didn't know was when he had enough and that's greed and uh, we will be paying for the rest of her lives for his greedy empire, says Now, Byron,
7: as it regards saying. the insurance, and I saw this over mm. the years there, even working in the driver training, insurance has come down an awful lot, and I don't know uh, much about the entire... I'm not insurance. sure
1: about an awful lot, no.
7: Well, I noticed my own even, and I noticed even when I used to be talking to Beginners or learners, and um, mm. the way insurance have come down over the years
1: with within. Well, well, that's only because uh, we've changed uh, a lot of our thinking around compensation. Well, and that what sort I was about to say is, with at the likes
7: of people like Quinn and others coming mm. into the market, is this what brought it down? You know, did he actually basically now again? I but, don't know. But since he was in
1: the market, them. it went up like through the roof for years and years. Did it not.
7: I, I I can see it coming down, and even my own is that's, coming that's down. That's very down.
1: recent times. There's some bit of an acknowledgement of what's going on in the courts. Yeah, there.
7: but I'm I suppose with more coming into the market, are is prices change, and and did he mm-hmm. do something about that, or is it the other way? I don't know. Um, but like I know, um, looking at that building in Blanchetown and the amount of people that worked there and the amount of employment he gave in there, um,
1: I yeah, uh, was but, unbelievable. But are you saying that that sort of there should be a tolerance then and a looking the other way of somebody's... No, other...
7: I, I, the financial side of it, it should have been, and people should have been held accountable. And I don't believe um, the fallout should have been Sean Quinn. They should have been. this should hold us... Whole financial side of this is what's bugging people and really getting to people, and it's getting to me as well. Right. Um, but the whole financial side of this was badly handled. Donald Gleason
1: says you're on Quinn's payroll for deft.
7: <laughs>
8: Are you making much money
1: part. out of that, Pat? Huh? <laughs> Are you making much out of that?
7: <laughs> no, I don't. think... God Somebody completely
1: that agrees that. with you and says the book no, is out. I, the book is I out on Friday, the by the way.
7: Start, I was fit to turn that off a few yeah. minutes into it from the publicity that I heard. In the past of all the negative stuff that these people are listening about John Quinn and mm. what went on and the horrific attacks up there, which everyone condones, all that stuff and went on. I, do, I don't I do know about that and I don't wish to get into it. But, like, people are, are coming from these sides. Mm. I'm coming from what I saw on them three programmes. All
1: right. Pat, good to talk to you today, and thanks, thanks for and spend that money wisely that you're getting from Quinn Holdings. <laughs> happy uh, Christmas to you all. <laughs> <Many> happy returns, <laughs> bye bye, Pat. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. Back in just a moment.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Listen, it's very divided indeed on Sean Quinn and uh, particularly after my chat there with uh, Pat and uh, Bridget, Um, Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, One of our listeners saying, Fran, the banks hounded Mr. Quinn to invest money in their schemes and then it went wrong and they turned on him. Shame on those banks, it says. And again, a lot of people thinking that Pat was watching a different programme than the one that they uh, were looking at. Uh, Somebody else saying, Sean Quinn went down because he wasn't a politician's man and he wasn't part of the uh, brown envelopes at uh, the Galway tent uh, so there you are. Give him Paul Reed's job. He'd sort the HSC out, says <laughs> one of our listeners. All right, uh, 0833113311. It's time to talk farming. Glad to be joined by the editor of the Farmers Journal, Katrina Morrissey. Good morning to you, Katrina.
9: Good morning, friend.
1: Good to talk to you today. Did you see that uh, series, by the way, on Sean Quinn?
9: No, I have an earmarked to watch over the weekend. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to get to it at the time, but it's definitely on the one yeah, to watch.
1: I'd say you'll be fascinated by it indeed. Yeah. Uh, down to farming then, Suckler Cow Coal Scheme is uh, recommended. This is uh, all about destocking, I suppose, Katrina.
9: Yeah, so it's a, a very controversial report has now made its way to the Minister. Um, this is very likely to feed into the Climate Action Plan mm-hmm. for 2023 and beyond. Um, and in the last couple of weeks, farm organisations have really moved to distance themselves from this report um, and we saw yesterday why for sure um, there are two schemes being recommended to the Department of Agriculture to the Minister to either cut back or get out of suckler cows and they want to I suppose encourage or incentivise farmers to do that the overall aim being to reduce methane emissions from agriculture but that's a very very um I so thought it's an emotional mm. thing for suckler farmers in this country. They're extremely fond of their animals, of their, you know, their heritage, their herd and their their pedigree animals in some cases. Um and you know, the average suckler herd in, in parts of the country would be just sixteen cows. So these are not uh big extensive herds. So the idea that they um mm. would destock and he's, what he's what, is the, what is the what is the
1: incentive, uh, Katrina? What what is that?
9: That's really the crux of this report. So this report has some figures in it, and they are saying that in terms of income for gone, the cost of destocking stocking a farmer's to herd would be one thousand three hundred and fifty per cow. It's, I I would probably on hand on heart say that no farmer would take that. Got They're it. looking if they get out they will be looking for more than that. And that's, this report has no um, proposals or recommendations on compensation payment. Because, you know, obviously, once you sell the cow, she's gone. So that, that way of making income is gone. It's not just the cost of the cow that day. Yeah. Um, and what about so the farming
1: organisations? What, what are they saying?
9: They've all reserves their position on the report. So they were all centrally involved in the Food Vision Beef and Sheep group and the dairy one before that. and um, They were all centrally involved in the talks and the, um, I suppose the drawing up of different aspects of this report. But in the last probably fortnight, they've all moved to distance themselves from it. The INHFA, which is the um, Hill, Hill and Natura Farmers Association, walked away from the talks completely don't want anything more to do with it. They say that the proposals on um, extensification and cutting the suckler herd, they just can't have anything to do with it. The IFA, ICMSA, ICSA and MACRA have all said that they're reserving their position. I suppose what's not being said directly, Fran, is if there is a financial incentive big enough to encourage farmers who would be interested in getting out those farm organizations might then get on board. Because there would be an element mm. of suckler farmers, you know, maybe older age. We've talked about these yeah. people before who maybe don't have farm successors. Uh, who would say, Yeah, look, if there was, you know, kind of a soccer retirement scheme there for me, I might go into it. Um, and then there are others who say, come hell or high water, you couldn't pay me to get out. Right. So the farm organisations are representing both of those farmers.
1: Right, but it would um, have to be attractive, obviously.
9: Exactly, yeah. exactly. It would have to be attractive.
1: The Attorney-General has given his opinion on the veterinary medicines changes, Katrina. Can you just give us the background to that?
9: Yeah, so there was uh, changes coming in. This caused a lot of controversy over the last 12 to 18 months. Changes coming in whereby... Um, There would be a tightening up on the prescription and sale of antibiotics, which has always been tight, but also on some more common medicines, things like wormers and doses that farmers currently can go in and buy in the co-op without any prescription. So there was a move to make those prescription only. And then there was a proposal that actually someone in, for example, the local co-op could be trained up. On, you know kind of sensible use of these medicines mm. enough that they would then be considered a responsible person to be able to prescribe and dispense those medicines the attorney general basically torpedoed that idea this week um, and that means that the bill the the regulation bill will not now make it through the door so those changes won't be implemented on the 1st of january or and linked to that is an essential database for fertilizer use in the country. So that also falls as a result of the veterinary medicine mm-hmm. issue. So it's back
1: to the drawing board where this is concerned, obviously.
9: Back to the drawing board, there is a transition period. So this is the the antibiotic and the vet, veterinary medicine is being pushed by Europe. So it's a European mm-hmm. regulation that we must comply with. Um we're in a transition period, so that's okay. We still we still comply with Europe at the moment, and we will on the 1st of January. But it still needs to be fixed um, in order for Ireland to compu- comply with Europe. On the fertiliser side, it looks like, and uh, we understand in the Farmers' Journal, that there will be a paper-based system similar to the slurry imports and exports that's currently used. So a workaround, but not the live, central, computer-based system that was planned
1: be interesting to see what happens with that uh, down the road. Uh, the re-wetting payment as well consideration of that
9: Yeah this is an interesting um, story that came out during the week from Finnegale's Richard Bruton. Uh, he's former minister for climate change and he put it to it, to us that it would make sense for farmers to be paid up to 2,500 euro per hectare to sequester carbon in wetted peatland. So there are farms in this country that are on peatland and we know that peatlands, peatland and if particularly drained peatland mm. uh, emits carbon. And there are lots of proposals and and I suppose uh, threats some farmers would say that farms should be re wetted so that they no longer emit the carbon from the ground. Vinnergales Richard Bruton, is saying actually the fines that we would potentially face from Europe down the line would be so significant that it would make sense to pay farmers up to 2500 wow. per hectare.
1: And, and, and would that be 2500 per hectare per year?
9: That's because he's, he's somewhat flying a kite here, Fran. Okay, so right. <laughs> I think it would be more than likely, uh, I think he's talking an annual payment as i say he he is he's putting it forward that it should be considered it's by no means a concrete plan
1: right interesting one to think about um the eu to certify uh, carbon removals but we're not sure about payment for
9: that either absolutely and this is you know this is the conundrum i suppose for farmers now we're being told that you know we'll be carbon farming in the future, and trees are great sequesters of carbon. Different types of land are better or worse at sequestering carbon, and we'll move from producing beef and milk into producing carbon. Nobody's really putting their money where their mouth is yet, um, and it needs a standardised system as well. Um, there's no point in in. Fran in Clonmel selling his carbon on one system and Katrina in Gotenbridge selling her carbon on a different system. There obviously needs to be regulation, there needs to be standardization. Europe has proposed legislation for the certification of carbon removals, but again, no no payment, you know, no payment mentioned or, or any concrete uh, mention of the financing
1: of it. It's amazing that everything we've spoken about uh, uh, today, um, it, it, you know, just detail seems to be unclear in so much involving farming nowadays, doesn't it?
9: Absolutely, we're being asked. I, I think to be fair to the average farmer today, they're being asked to step into the unknown, yes. and it's absolutely no wonder that they're very, very reluctant.
1: Katrina, it's always good to talk to you and thank you for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's uh, Katrina Morrissey, who's editor of the Farmer's Journal. The journal is on your shelves uh, right now with uh, much more detail uh, of those topics we've touched on this morning.
0: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007.
1: Now, as we said earlier on, the Finance Minister, Pascal Donoghue, he has confirmed that bonuses for bankers of up to €20,000 can be reinstated and the pay cap of €500,000 per annum lifted at Bank of Ireland. Well, Joan joins me now. Good morning to you, Joan. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today. What do you make of all of this, Um, Joan?
10: Well, my God, I'm in shock, to be honest. I'm both shocked and angry to hear that there's bonuses and big salaries being doled out these people in the banks at the top brass, they would be much better employed to address the situation of the staff on the floor of the bank. First of all, there's very, very few staff, and the few that are there, they don't even know their right hand from their left hand. They're like headless chickens. They're all asking each other, what have I to do now? How do I do this? Hold on now till I confer with my colleagues. And you're left standing there. They uh, haven't a notion.
1: And does it seem to you, Joan, these are inexperienced tra- uh, staff in totally. training, some kind of training or something? Is no,
10: there's it? no training at all, as far as I can see. Mm. What I, this is what I have noticed over the last couple of years, and particularly since COVID, they got rid of all the knowledgeable staff and they replaced them with, God help us, young ones and young fellas that haven't a clue. Not so headless chickens, to be honest
1: with you. And are they not enticing you to use the electronic systems in the bag? Then is that it that they're pointing you towards?
10: It's not just that. The only reason they're sending you in that direction is because they have no answers. If you ask a question, if you go into any business, and a bank is a business, let's Mm. not elude ourselves, if you go in and ask any business person a question, right, you might need a junior member of staff who wouldn't be okay with a particular issue Mm. and would say, I'll get the boss or whatever they go. The boss would come and address the situation, and that's as it should be. Mm. I'm in business all my life since I was 16 years of age, so I do know a little bit about business.
8: Mm. If
10: you go into a bank and you ask somebody, they go and ask somebody else. Somebody else don't know either, so they send you to a, a machine. Now, you go to the machine, and I had my own personal experience with this, with a credit card. Last year, when all credit cards had to go through an app and you had to jump through hoops if you wanted to use it online, I had to set up my credit card. Mm. To this day, my credit card has not been set up properly, and I've been onto these machines and spoken to these people at the other end of the phone after waiting, first of all, for half an hour to get to speak to somebody, press this and that and the other. And then when you do get to speak to them, they haven't a clue either. They try and tell you, you're at fault. Then they say, now, it's all set up now, you're all ready to go. And the next thing, you try and use your card to pay your car tax or your house insurance or whatever it is. And it tells you, oh, your card isn't set up. Now, there you're back again the next half hour, waiting with a pen in your arm, waiting to speak to some clown. And at that stage, I lost it. I was just, this must have been my 10th phone call last year and I just, and earlier this year. I got so tired from it all. I lost it. And I just said, you don't know your bum from your elbow. Now, that wasn't the word I used. I and imagine. he had—he—he he said to me, he said, oh, he said, if you continue using that kind of language, I'm just going to hang up. Right. Now, he needed to go up there, whoever he was, for a start. Right.
1: I have but a you situation... See, you you can't be abusive to people you see, Joan.
10: Uh, no, that wasn't abuse, no. It not? I mean, I'm telling it as it was. Right. They don't know the right hand from their left. Mm. They just don't. They haven't a clue. I wanted to get across to him how stupid the whole situation was and how long it was going on.
1: Mm. Did, d- did he to... hang up on you?
10: No, he didn't. No, he didn't, no, right. he didn't hang up. No, thank right. God, for his sake. <laughs> but... <laughs> no, but you see, they need to be told, and sometimes you can't get across to some people. They're as thick as a ditch, to right. be honest with you. And you can't get it across to them. I didn't use a nasty word right. like... Right. It was not a nasty word. It's one that's used every day of the week.
1: Right. What you did you say? It. Arse or something? Was it arse. That's
10: right. the only word I used was right. arse. Now, to me, that's not a bad word. Right. And, and, I mean, maybe it is for some people, but I it on mine every day and I'm sure most other people do. <laughs> you know? I don't know if I'm my own. i say. take the third on that one. But
1: so you're saying now, the money would be better spent to, to improve the quality of the, the, the staff who are dealing with the public. Absolutely. Yeah. And,
10: and listen, all betide you. If you want to set up a business account,
1: mm. oh, it's no, very difficult. Yeah, I know.
10: They, yeah. they haven't a clue. No, they have. They just don't know what they're doing. I remember, my own family had a situation. You talk about GDPR and confidentiality. Mm. She was handed an envelope of her brother and sister-in-law's account to sign something. Only she actually looked at it and noticed it wasn't hers.
1: It was given now, to her he by accident, it. was it?
10: Yes, it was handed out to her in an envelope. Well, in a
1: bank. Well, that's a breach yeah. of GDPR, so, big time. Yeah, It is a sort of
10: breach. Yeah. These are the kind of people you're dealing with. They have not got a clue, not an notion. What Without about the name. excuse
1: that the banks would say about this? Uh, they can't attract talented enough people unless they can pay them more than half a million a year. And they have to give bonuses to make sure that they attract uh, the, the big talent internationally and all of that.
10: Yeah, well, to be honest with you, they're flying a kite there because what about the people on the floor? Why don't they train them? If mm. they apply themselves to train the staff on the floor, mm. then staff on the floor would be comfortable, customers would be comfortable. We'd all get on with our business. We are the customers. We are the people who are keeping that business going. If they didn't have customers in the bank, the bank wouldn't be needed. Mm. If we could find some other method of looking after our business, mm. and, I wouldn't and, be involved we, with the Of bank.
1: course, we bailed them out. To the tune of yes,
10: huge totally amounts of money.
1: Yeah.
10: Oh, my God. And we're, we didn't bail them out. We have we are bailing them out. That is continuous. Mm. My children, my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren will be paying for this for the rest of their lives. That's the reality of it. Anyone thinks that's past tense is eluding themselves. It's not. It's current. It's happening. It's happening every day. In everything, every transaction we have to do in life, we are hit. By what happened hmm. that time. So spend the spend
1: the money on training is what you're saying, Joan?
10: Absolutely. Yeah. Most definitely need to spend the money on training. It's all right. totally
1: crazy. Joan, totally crazy. it's always a pleasure to talk to you and thank you for your time this morning. And and mind, mind your language now, Joan, won't you? Oh,
10: don't you worry. Don't
1: you worry. <laughs> Take care, <laughs> friends. Good luck, Joan. Bye-bye. 1800 007. News is on the way.
3: Tip
0: Today
3: with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome
1: back to uh, Tip Today. A listener on to say that lady that's referring to Joan is no manners you can't talk to people on the phone like that. How dare she call them thick? Shame on her. A lot of... uh, New people in banks, government uh, departments, uh, etc., aren't trained in properly. That's not their fault. It's management, and a lot of these uh, places refuse to provide proper training. So it's shocking uh, that she would behave like that. Well, you know, okay, no, nobody goes along with abusing anybody, as far as I'm concerned. But I can understand the frustration that people. Uh, go through uh, dealing with financial institutions, not just financial institutions trying to get anybody on a blooming phone uh, nowadays is an issue, but there you go It's time for our weekly health slot, delighted to be joined now, uh, as always by the CEO of Marito 8020 and that's Muriel Cuddy, how are you Muriel? Morning
11: Fran, great today, thank God
1: Good to see you today, you're going to follow up to begin with, on the conversation we had last week about the weight loss drug, and that because you got a huge, huge amount of interest in this.
11: Literally, I think before I had walked down the steps here, out of the studio, the phone had started ringing and it literally rang non-stop and, and still is ringing, to be honest. Right. The clinic is open and we are seeing people. So last week we saw like a number of people that booked in or whatever. But I suppose what upset me really, and that's why it brought me to this piece today, was we possibly got more phone calls from people that really didn't need it than people that actually really did need it. Now we've had conversations with everybody and a lot of people have come through and are are starting mm. the, the weight loss injection um, in the next week or so but that just frightened me because it was like, are people not happy at all with how they look? Um, our perception of how we look, has that changed so much? And you know, perception comes from the, the, the looking at the same in, image over and over again so mm. say if it was lips if it's the perfect body image say like Love Island and all of this kind of thing um, is that what we're supposed to look, at, look like because that's where perception comes from Right So it just it made me worried you know and like there's all these anorexia bulimia um, there's actually big x or something along those lines I came across somewhere which is like in the gym Every single day for two and three hours and that's like a teenage into young adulthood like guys that are playing sport and that they want to get bigger and they want the muscles we actually got a phone call on that level as well from somebody that was in the gym all the time and felt their body fat was too high there BMI like was way below the 27 fran but he just felt there was still excess to lose was it possible he could actually get the injection to lose the last of what he had so in comparison to where we were 10 or 15 years ago I just find it really scary
1: it's very interesting, isn't it? And, you know, I mean, obviously that, that's why you're there and you, you mm. can decide to say to people, no, this is not for you, this is not suitable well, for you.
11: It's one of the things I've always spoken about and I still speak about, and I think I've probably nearly closed the doors in doing what I'm doing. If you can't manage expectations mm. and you can't be realistic enough, like you're never going to have, we're never going to have a long lifespan in this industry if we can't um, talk to people properly and honestly and say to him, listen, the weight loss injection is fantastic. It's a tool, and it'll definitely help kickstart your weight loss. People living in a bigger body, Fran, there are so many issues with it. So if you're mm. overweight, and you know you're you're have the health markers that are wrong, you also have the other issues that you're dealing with, as in low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, mm. stress, things like that, and that's been medicated too. So there's so many, um, so so much in the form of medication been given to people that are overweight or obese. Mm. And that's on one level. And for us to be able to manage the expectations of that person and get their health markers down by getting their weight down and educating them on how to eat properly because you can't just take an injection, lose the weight and stay eating cross on some red bull for breakfast. Yes. Because the health markers are going to be wrong. And I think the expectations there, that's one side. The other side with the injection, to be very realistic about it, you lose up to 15% of your body weight, maybe a little more, but the rest of the body weight then has to come through your diet, your lifestyle and working with us. So you get another 12 months. Maybe you can do things like laser lipo and you can look at like gastric bands and stuff like that afterwards but you've got to manage the expectations of what do the steps look like? Mm. How are you? Dis- why are you dissatisfied with your body? Where did it come from? Is it the hormone side of things that's wrong? Is it because it has come from a younger age? So were you bullied when you were younger? Does it come from home? So were the habits established from a very young age? As in, was food an issue at home? Mm. Like the parents, One parent was on a diet or always on a yo-yo diet? Mm. Or was it um, a, a fact that at home just um, you didn't get what you needed or whatever? Do you know what I mean? There's mm. so many different issues there and we have to deal with them right. behind the scenes. And
1: you can't obviously play into somebody's difficulties like their dysmorphia or whatever um, by making something like that available
11: to no, them. No, absolutely you can't. And mm. in my world, no, I, yes. I, I wouldn't. Like, If I can get to the root of if somebody um, really needs it and they're, you know, um, are carrying this weight and say all the, like the meds and all the bits and pieces. Well then, absolutely, we have to give it to them. It's like I showed you an image there of a clinic um, yes. of what's been put out there in social media. Yeah,
1: and it's doll-like, isn't it's it? It's a doll. It's, yeah. it's
11: a doll. It's like a Barbie, skinny waist, long legs, big boobs, long hair, yeah. huge lips. The more you push an image like that out there, the more percept- the perception of that's what I'm supposed to look like comes to the fore, comes into being and that's even now say 40s the 50s the new 40 60s mm-hmm. all of that kind of thing like and, and and for me we're looking at these images of fit people running at 50 and like yeah.
8: yeah yeah
11: where where do we actually get the happy medium and what is perfect and what is realistic so in the clinic which what we're doing for me even with the aesthetic side it's very gently. And it's nothing outside the box of, you know, that you're going to look like a monster for all the world. Because there is no perfect. Like if I was to put, and I said this, I was doing a talk yesterday and I actually had younger people in the talk and they were in stitches laughing. But I said, there's 32 people sitting in front of me. And I said, if you were all dogs sitting on the seat and you weren't people, I'd have terriers and Labradors and greyhounds and everything under the sun. All different makeups and all different, like different breeds. Mm. We are um, a result of our genes. Like genetically, we can change a lot of who we are. So I couldn't turn the greyhound and the Labrador into each other. Like if I was to put a greyhound run a marathon, yes, he's not going to do what a Labrador will do. And of vice course, versa.
1: yeah. But when your role models are only these slim, uh, sort of stick-like creatures, I suppose then that's why you might feel outside of it all.
11: I think so, and I think definitely schools and parents and definitely i suppose listening to things on social media we've got to take a step back and we've got to take out of it what's right mm. and what we can actually what what what, what makes sense mm. i suppose it's it's taken off the rose tinted glasses isn't it yeah the beauty industry is worth 534 billion and the aesthetic billion, I- billion wow. the aesthetic industry is going to be worth something like 380 billion by 2030 so like you're talking about huge sums of money involved in this so, and we're like this isn't the farmer world this is like the beauty and the aesthetic world so the younger generation are going to find it really really hard well, with the older generation it, yeah?
1: Another yeah. thing that stemmed from our conversation last week was a huge amount of people got onto us afterwards saying that we were excusing um, overweight people and uh, you know that we weren't acknowledging that this is their fault and some mm. blaming people yeah. and stuff you know
11: I got that Fran yeah. uh, from the minute I walked out the door here I actually got that the yeah. first person I met literally actually Excuse said to me if you're overweight it's your own fault stay back from the table huh? what are you actually doing with the weight loss injection or whatever and I said and I'm very what would you say I okay, get very upset about this. Mm. Very passionate, I suppose, is probably mm. the word, because I'm dealing with people for the last 20 years, most especially the last seven or eight years as this whole thing has escalated. And people that are overweight, like a stone or two stone, that's nothing. Mm. That's nothing. Mm. Like It's like saying to yourself, when you hit 50, I wish I was 40. And I was 40, I wish I was 30. Mm. A stone or two, we can deal with. When you're actually talking about somebody that is grossly overweight by three or four stone, that is, it's affecting everything from their self esteem to every single day from the minute they get out of bed. Yes. And it's not only affecting everything they do from when they go to, like, for a pint of milk to when they're in work sitting behind their desk and they're afraid to lift their head up to go for a promotion or they're overlooked for promotion after promotion because of their size, even though they're probably more capable than the person next mm. to them, to the fact that they're on medication for different health markers that have gone wrong, to the um, anxiety and depression side of things. It is a disease. The same as alcohol is yes. and the that, same that is being
1: acknowledged now more and more isn't thank it, god it
11: it's being acknowledged mm. because a stone or two is fine we all can overeat the weekend mm. we can all spend mm. two weeks that we overeat and maybe yes. it can escalate into three months and the covid stone and covid mm. two stone that doesn't impinge your life ran to the same extent as somebody being grossly overweight there is a big difference And the injection is for people that have a BMI of over 27 or over 30. And if you are overweight to that extent that it is affecting your life, then you need a tool that's going to help you actually bring it back to where we can actually manage it. Mm. And even your, your mindset, because with anorexia and things like that, when you go below a certain weight, your mindset goes that unless you get it back up to that certain weight, you're not thinking rationally. Yes. It's it like in, in the obese world. Why is that not the same? Why is there one rule that somebody can be anorexic and mm. get all the doctors and health I under think the it's stone? that
1: perception, to be honest with you, Muriel, that, you know, oh, you know, if you're overweight, you're lazy. If you're overweight, you know, you, you eat on. And, you know, and this isn't the no, case. Well, the mindset you know. has
11: to change. And yeah. the mindset has changed around sexuality. Yeah. In schools and stuff, our kids have been taught, and, and, and our, like, I say, gender balance, colour, mm. um, nationality, mm. wherever you're from our younger generation have accepted all of that. Mm. Like this other side is going to have to come to the fore because we're going to be dealing with this. The fallout is there and if we don't actually get people back into a proper BMI and into a proper place and if the weight loss injection does help, that's brilliant that it actually gets people to feel normal. Mm. What is normal? 14, 15 stone, maybe for some people. Some people it might be twelve. So if somebody feels they're a perfect weight at ten, they can ridicule somebody else because they're not a perfect weight at twelve or fourteen stone. For me, that's awful. And I think we've got to start the education and the support.
1: And where expectations are concerned, then when people come into you, whether they're looking at the aesthetic side of it or the nutritional side of it, I mean if you what is the Irish shape? It's pear-shaped, is it? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean if, if if something's like that you, you can't change the fundamental, can you? Is you, that fair to say? You
11: cannot. You can be the best version of yourself. And they've actually said, what was the statement? Beauty begins the moment you decide to like yourself. Um, and I have people in and I say to them all the time, Fran, when I actually see them sitting in front of me, I say to them, where is your happy place? What number do you actually think when it comes to weight loss that you're going to be happy with? So if somebody's sitting in front of me and they're like 15 stone or whatever, and they say to me, well, I'd love to be 10 stone... I, I'll tell them straight away, we're not going to get you to 10 stone, but I know by looking at you straight away, your happy place is 12 stone. And she, they could say to me, well, my sister is whatever. That's completely different. And they might be sisters and they might be genetically made made up mm. that they actually tend to look the same. But one sister might have a slower metabolic rate. There might have been different issues down the line that actually cause her to hold weight. Or she could be built like her father or built like her mother. Yes, like yeah. I have four yeah. kids. Two are of one build and two are of another build. Yeah. One loves food they're all completely different, mm. you know, but like if they were to mention a word to each other, I'd absolutely kill them. But we have to get used to yes. the fact that we are all different and there is a sweet spot for everyone. And if you can find your sweet spot, say your sweet spot would weigh Fran. I could nearly nail it and tell you what your sweet spot is and what you can eat then. That mm. you have a decent metabolic rate that you can have a decent three meals a day and you be able to eat at the weekend yes. and maintain it. And that's not going to be a stone below what you would actually think you should be. Do you know what I mean? Like yes, You yeah. might come to me and say Muriel I want to be 14 stone mm. and I would look at you and I'd say well I actually think you should be about 15, 15 and a quarter mm. and you'll be happy there right. and you can maintain that. You're not 18 anymore you're not moving as fast as you used to move probably not doing as much movement as you used to do and your metabolism slows down.
1: Right. So Even though my BMI might lead me to believe it should be much lower than that.
11: Yeah it, it all depends on what movement you're doing okay. your muscle tone yeah, yeah. Um, you know if you're in the gym if you're yeah, sedentary what foods you're eating it's mm. like foods are massive so if you have a high carb diet and again that comes into line with the injection as in a lot of people that are overweight tend to have a higher higher carb, higher processed diet And alcohol and things like that. So again, you've got to change the mindset with that. So even for you, I, you'd have to work on all of that to mm, see whether yeah. your metabolic rate fits in with your BMI, etc. and how much we can reduce it's it.
1: very by. interesting. I presume then at certain times you say no to people where aesthetics are concerned. Absolutely. Because, yeah. Absolutely.
11: Yeah. We had it this week with, with um, our doctor, even on the aesthetic side. Mm. Uh, a young girl came in and she had way overdone. The the lips were like, you know, like the pictures of the lips you see, yeah. Um, and he actually offered to dissolve and start again. And we don't want to be uh, I don't know if you heard the word of the normalization clinic. No, so normalization a lot of clinics are turning into normalization clinics, which means work that is um gone wrong. There's actually a Facebook page now for people that have had aesthetic work done and are disfigured. Or something has happened as in they are devastated and they can't change it and there's a Facebook support group for it. So the normalisation clinics are popping up that you can actually take or reduce or dissolve the fillers. If you work in the beauty industry you can do a weekend for- course to to um, put fillers into somebody's face. Mm-hmm. You can put it in around their nose to create this you know um, new nose with non-surgical rhinoplasty or whatever. That's around the eye area and until somebody goes blind that'll be allowed Fran. So fillers can't be dissolved by anybody except a doctor. So you can go to any backstreet clinic, uh, beauticians, anywhere at all, unless you've got a doctor or a dentist, somebody that is medically recognised and regulated, they can't dissolve it for you. So this girl came in and she had miles too much, but she wanted more. And Dr. Wan said to her, listen, I can dissolve and we can start again and we can make it look, um, you know, very normal and near the look you want or whatever. But no, she just wanted it bigger. She just wanted to go bigger again. And he said, sorry, I said, that's not the way I work. I can't do that right. for you. So
1: you have to call it, I suppose, at you a cer- certain point. Yeah. We're hearing those horror stories as well. Was it this week or last week about uh, the gastric bands in uh, Turkey? Yeah. Or p- people coming, well, one lady passed away sadly because of mm-hmm. it. Um, it's of grave concern to people as well.
11: You know? uh, we've had so many people that have come to us, Fran. And like, when you go to Turkey, you the, the pictures look fantastic online. Mm, it's a completely yeah. different story when you're out there. I've heard of people that have ended up on blood thin- thinners for life. So many different things that have happened. They've been told not to take the bandages off for 14 days. So they're gone and they've left and they've come back. You go to Turkey, you're signing a consent form that's in Turkish you've no idea what you're signing for unless you actually have maybe if you have a Turkish partner or somebody like that that can actually go with you it's absolutely stonewall crazy even if it's going to cost you a few extra euro here save up if it's what you want to do and wait and come into the system that can actually look after you properly because that's not a system anybody wants to be in
1: Right, it's it's amazing If we were to talk to people who ideally comes to you from let, let's stay with aesthetics for the moment yep. who ideally comes to you because we're not talking about people who want to go over the top with the big lips or the you know
11: Um a conversation I had this morning was a girl that was in yesterday okay so she was 50 49, 50 this year Mm -hmm. coming into Christmas time she's actually in the world the whole world in space of well-being and everything so you know it can be anyone Fran this is just I'll give you two examples a male and a female so with this girl she literally just wanted to look a little bit refreshed she just wanted a little just she said she'd used all the creams everything under the sun and nothing had worked and she wanted to feel a better version of herself So she came in yesterday. She'd done the consultation. It was an active consultation, which means she got work done after she had spoken to the doctor. It's my job to follow up. So it's my job to actually call the next day and say, listen, give me a little bit of feedback from the time you booked in until today. How are you in relation to like inflammation, how you look, how you feel, how was your experience? She said, Muriel, it was everything I wanted in relation to my look, first of all. She said, it's just a little tweak you know she said, I mm. just look in the mirror now and I look like I did when I did 5 years ago mm. and she said, that's what I want now she said there's more, and he actually explained what else he can do. But she said he can do it very, um, what would you say, it can take over six months or it yeah, can take on over 12 basis, months. a gradual basis. A gradual yeah. basis, yeah. and he can build it up. And she said, I'm delighted with that. So happy. And she said, he actually said one word to me as, as I was going out. Um, Thank you for trusting me. Mm. And she said, I don't hear that. In the world of wellbeing, I say it, but I don't hear it. So that's one instance as in she just wanted to look refreshed and look a little younger. That's what we do. Another one that we actually had, which I suppose blew me away, it was a male and it was on sexual health. So it was on erectile dysfunction. Mm. So he had a couple of um, consultations and then went to get the treatment that he wanted with, um, we have Dr Manellian on a Friday. And I rang him for feedback or whatever, and I said, listen, how was it again and all the bits and pieces. You could hear the lift in his voice, mm. you know, and I suppose you fellas out there listening, and they're probably smiling on all the bits, but a lot of people aren't smiling because there are a lot of issues that are out What's, there, yeah. which we're finding. And uh, what What
1: is it possible to do for erectile dis- dysfunction in the well,
11: clinic? You can do PRP injections. There's so much like it. We have a resident gynaecologist and sexual right. health doctor that actually, you know, looks after all of this and there's so much, there's so many different areas she can work on in relation to like erectile dysfunction, the sexual health side of things, for women, like with women in with vaginal dryness, bladder incontinence, um, just issues even after having babies, you know, yeah. uh, that's a massive area. We've People that are after driving down from Offaly and Athlone and different places, Fran, so and again, it's a realistic, first of all, manage the expectations. If you can't do it, you might have to leave and you might be... Down the dumps that there wasn't something that can be done. But that's probably five percent of you know, everybody that comes through the door.
1: Very interesting. You must come across a whole cross section of.
11: We actually do. People we actually do. And do you know what? For me, when I make the phone call the next day, if you see somebody walking out with a smile, mm. I'm absolutely over the moon. And um, mm. if they're not, then I have to find out what can we actually do to make sure that they are happy. And even if that's directing them onto another service, mm. that's an expert in their area. We'll do that. But the follow up calls and the feedback. That's right. fantastic.
1: Somebody wondering about cosmetic dentistry? Do you get involved in that? No, we no. don't. We don't. Okay. No. All right. Would you believe? there's Still, um, text coming in. Um, just to sum sum up a few of them one Mm. person saying uh, obesity is a self-induced disease Fran it's a choice it's amazing that mindset is still out there
11: yeah it it is and you know what I suppose if we can change people's mindsets one by one what I would worry about with that caller is if there's kids in their world or students or teenagers or whatever that would be my worry because when I see people out trying to walk or run or trying to lose weight or whatever I'd say to my kids God a pat on the back you have to say a big well done the pressure they're under their heart even to get the runners on for people even to see them and that's another thing with obese and overweight you don't want to be seen not out walking and you don't want to be in a gym so where can you actually go yeah. to exercise we actually feel people do it in the morning before anyone gets up or they do it in the evening when it's dark
1: because they feel so judged because they a... feel judged and the person God. that
11: sent that in I would, I would actually feel just you know take a step back, take a step outside the box and just look at the comment that you've just made. Yeah,
1: They they go on to say genetics and hormones do influence to a degree, but it's overeating every single time.
11: Yeah, but that's not fair as in if your parents overate and you were their child, it's a habit that has been established Mm. since you're very young. Mm. So if we can't help change that habit and we have people like this, they might have been lucky that they had parents, that everything was okay and their genes are good and everything. Like Not everybody has that. It's like being an alcoholic or being, you know,
1: yeah, I said course, the same yeah. thing the whole yeah, time. And we do know? accept uh, that other addictions are genuine. We do,
11: we do. So addictions. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. If people want to talk to you, Muriel?
11: Um, they can call us on 52 one one Yeah,
1: Four eight
11: 888
1: one okay. And um, Emma will have that number if you didn't catch it uh, there as well. Muriel, good to see you as always. Thanks very much indeed. Muriel Cuddy there, CEO of Marito 8020.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: You're very welcome. and listeners on to say, you were talking about bad manners, Fran. I was at a funeral recently and as people shook hands with the grandchildren of the gentleman in question, they were in their early 20s all they did was after being sympathized with they turned away and they sniggered and they tittered now the man who passed away was a most respectful decent uh, man but i was shocked by their lack of basic manners so that's somebody coming across uh, ill-mannered people in a in a funeral, funeral home isn't that very interesting do you want to comment on that uh, 083311113 to Down Your Way and my good friend Eamon O'Dowar, he is in Feathered at the Patrician Presentation Secondary School there this week here's a little taste of what you can expect this Saturday morning from Eamon
12: Billy Walsh it's with me how are you doing Billy? Hi, not too bad Eamon yourself? Uh,
13: good to be here in the school
12: yeah yeah delighted to have you here so thanks yeah. very
13: much for coming yeah it is great, great. Uh, the kids are absolutely fantastic the they're, an ab-
12: they're an absolute joy um, ah yeah. uh, look like, I'm blessed to be able to come in here every single day and have kids like that um, working with and yeah. watching them prosper, so it's, yeah. it's brilliant.
13: It lifts your heart, that type of music, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I'm not an ABBA fan
12: now, so I have yeah. to put that in for the off, but, um, but it does. Like, like, They're really good, and, and I think what lifts my heart more is to see kids that, that mightn't start out that confident but then are able to produce that.
13: Absolutely terrific, yeah. Uh, Tell us about the
12: school here and and, and the students in particular, Um, I suppose. Okay, well, the school, I would call it the Carlsberg of schools. In fact, people people say to me, um, I have the Carlsberg of jobs because the school is brilliant. For instance, we have 216 students. Everyone knows each other. Everyone gets on. Um, Brilliant culture here. Um, I would love for people to be a fly on the wall in, in our school on any given day and just sit back and watch. Because what they would see is absolutely brilliant teachers at the top of their game that have a great relationship with the students. They'd see students smiling, happy, getting along, learning, and they'd see students helping each other. Just give you a most recent example, a student comes over to me, they found five euros in the toilet, they hands it in, and then it gets back to its rightful owner. That's kind of our school in a nutshell.
13: If I was a parent in this area, what would impress me by bringing my child to your
12: school? Um, I suppose what I said there was the top quality teach and learn. Like that's that's a given, right? That's a must. So we have top quality teachers that are just experts in their field, and then the way they deliver that—that's really important. The teachers deliver that education with a smile. So years ago, you would hear, you know, trainee teachers don't smile for the first year. You know, or you have to go in hard on them with the start. That that's absolute nonsense. Um, in our school, everything is done with a smile. Everything is done getting along. It's it's like a team effort, and the goal is the best educational experience for the students. And everyone is on the same wavelength there.
13: So, okay, I'm as I say, I come in here as a par as a parent and probably get on maybe the board of management or whatever it is that goes on here. Yeah. Um,
12: yeah, yeah, you, you would have. What that. instilled confidence in me to do this? I guess the big thing for the parents is they have a voice. So so sometimes I suppose, sometimes, my, like my door is always open, right? So parents would always feel that they have a voice, they can come in, they can discuss things. They won't be waiting a week for me to get back to them. Um, I think that instills then... A will and a want to get onto boards of management to get onto parents' councils, mm-hmm. because they feel that their voice isn't just falling on deaf ears; that they actually have an influence on the school, and I think that's really important.
13: What is it? Is it difficult to introduce discipline, proper discipline, or how do you do? How do you go about that?
12: <coughs> um, do you know, I, I don't know. Do I even use the word discipline? Because it kind of has, you know, has a demeanour of like maybe pointing a finger and giving out. I would like to use positive behaviour. I think in, in any walk of life, if you treat people decently, and if they know you have their back, ninety nine ninety nine point nine percent of the time they're not going to let you down. So every kid here knows that I and the staff have their back. They know that we'll do our very best for them. So the reality is, the amount of discipline issues we have here are, they are minute, absolute minute, and and that's why it's such a nice place to be part of. It
13: seems a very friendly place just when I came in here tonight uh, the welcoming feel about it as soon as you come in through the door
12: yeah even even if you didn't even if you just saw the smiles you know that tells a lot or the comfort um, I find the comfort that the students have with the teachers possibly with myself um, I think that's important so yeah there's there is a relaxed atmosphere. Um, in saying that, there's we strive to ensure every student reaches their full potential, both academically and holistically. Holistically.
13: The question here, sitting in front of me, what's your favourite
12: part of this school? Oh, if I had to put one word on it, culture. Um, and that that's kind of a hard thing. You know, it's a hard thing to break up and to say, well, I like this about the school and this. But mm-hmm. I think the whole the whole atmosphere. Um, what I really like about this school here is the community aspect of it also so like even members of the parents council members of the local community coming in give us a, giving us a hand making the tea just everyone feels part of the school so it's almost like the school is the community and the community is the school
1: down your way with the great Eamon O'Dowire and uh, this Saturday morning from the patrician Presenta- uh, presentation secondary school And uh, fantastic school, by the way, and well done uh, to them. That's our own Aim No Doire, 10 o'clock every single Saturday morning with the very, very best of local radio. Now, in our dear Phil slot on Tuesday, we had a letter from a lady looking for advice. Now, she accidentally... I really felt, felt sorry for her. She accidentally sent a saucy message into a parent's school group And uh, we posted a letter to get some um, listeners' advice on this and Kath sent us a voice note with her um, advice about what went on and here's what she had to say.
14: Hi, I'm responding to the listeners' dilemma on the mums group. Um, Normally mums are pretty cool. Um, So to be honest, what I would do is because it happened last Friday, today is Wednesday and um, she's still looking for advice, I would probably say nothing. She has deleted it i presume she's deleted it for everyone in the group so nobody has access to it when the mums see it has been deleted they will realize that it wasn't for them it was a mistake but i think it's so much time has elapsed if she's sending it apology now it looks I think it's bringing it all up again. So what I would do, I'd say nothing. And if you meet the mums, you can say it casually to the ones you know. Like there's a lot of mums on the mums group that I've never even met. They wouldn't know me if I met them. They they don't even know my children. So I wouldn't be worried about it. And you know what, people forget about these things. If you're good friends with some of the mums, you could easily say it, oh God, I didn't know what to do. But leave it going much. too much time has elapsed. It happened to my husband on a hurling group he had sent me a text he was new to whatsapp sent me a text in relation to the mortgage and he was saying oh the oh he used a few strong words about the mortgage had gone up and i wrote back he used another few strong words and um, thinking it was him because i was distracted at work and um, one of the mums um texted me and said you realize that you're talking on the the hurling group and i said oh no so i I rang my husband and I told my husband to delete it but when my husband deleted it for himself not for everyone so the message was still there but to be honest the message was quite harmless so all he did was he emailed the guy in charge and he said oh I'm so sorry and your man was like oh not a bother sure so like that happens and I've seen it happen loads of times so I wouldn't worry leave it go it's it's since Friday, Um, don't bring it up again. That's my advice. But if it had only happened this morning, what I would have done was straight away, I would delete it for all the group. And then I would have sent a message saying, sorry, that was a jokey message for someone else. And then, let that be the end of it. But the fact that you're bringing it up, how many days later? People have people have moved on. People have forgotten about it. I think it's dragging it up again. If you meet some of the mothers and they bring it up, or you could say, oh, mortification, if you knew them, um, didn't say it then. But I, I'd leave it. I'd leave it alone. I wouldn't say anything. It's too too long. Time has passed, and she has deleted it. And by them seeing that she has deleted it, they will realise that oh, that wasn't for them. All right. Thanks. Bye.
1: That's Kath uh, with her voice notes and her advice following that letter to uh, dear Phil, where the poor woman, she got a, a saucy text from a friend and she tried to, well, as she thought she was sending it to her brother, but instead it ended up in that general chat group and uh, she's mortified, as she says uh, herself. By the way, if you want to send us a voice note on any of the topics... That we're discussing, you can do so to 83 311 That's 83 311 We're almost delighted uh, to hear from you. Uh, Peter was on uh, to wish uh, myself and Muriel the best of luck tonight at the RAG just outside Thirless because we're celebrating a 10th anniversary on the road. And as somebody pointed out to me and Kerry the other night, if I robbed the bank and got jailed for it, I'd be out in less time. But anyway, <laughs> yes indeed, Peter. And we hope to see you there uh, tonight uh, just uh, around nine o'clock or so. 1800 938 we We'll be back with more in just a moment. correspondence from a listener to say uh, obesity is self-induced uh, Fran, it's a choice, genetics and hormones influence the degree of the difficulty in effort to lose weight, but it's overeating every time. When somebody is obese, their life is in danger every time they eat unnecessarily they prioritise food over their own family and health. Uh, why can't Muriel admit excuse me, than a huge amount of instances. People just don't bother putting the fork down. It's time to tell people what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear. Ooh, it's very judgmental indeed. As somebody who, you know, currently I'm trying to lose a few stone and I'm doing all the right things, I think. But um, it's very slow coming off, you know, and... uh, even when you do decide that I'm eating too much or I'm eating uh, the wrong things, uh, the, the temptation is absolutely huge. And sometimes it's beyond what you can can handle. That. I mean, that's from personal experience, I will tell you. That's from somebody who really, really would like to lose. Um, uh, a few stones so I, uh, I disagree with you to be honest with you I do, I do it's it's a serious battle anyway let us go back to our letter to dear Phil about the person who sent the saucy uh, message into the parent school group instead of uh, to her brother Christine uh, joins me now Christine good morning to you
15: good morning Fred. how are you
1: how would you deal with it Christine
15: well, I've been in situations something similar my Have friends. Have you? But like, <laughs> I, I've often, like, been sending an email to my boss or to work or something like that and I'd leave kisses or Joe said the wrong message oh, yeah. to the wrong person or God, I'm always mixing people up if there's like, if I'm sending a message to, to Sarah and my partner my best friend's name is Sarah and my partner's name is Shane, so, like, I've often sent them mixed them up, you know, to see what if I wouldn't be concentrating and they'd be like, what? So, like, but, like, to, to be honest, I would just be like,
1: into the WhatsApp group but I, I just brushed it off as nothing like if it wasn't too bad like i just be like oh sorry guys and yeah. like you know the, let, let the only concern I'd have is that where do I find it here she says um, da, 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 da. oh yeah I got a really smutty text off my friend which had a little bit of porn in it um, but it was mainly a joke te- text so I presume it, <laughs> it depends on, well. on how much that bit know. of porn might have been
15: yeah, there's no kids in the WhatsApp group. They're all parents and adults. Right. Like, show that's why they're Good in it. Like, yeah. come here, look, whatever you're into, that's what you're into. But, like, it's only a bit of humor. Like, it's, it... hmm. I, I wouldn't look at it as anything too serious myself. If I got that in, in a WhatsApp group, I'd, I'd laugh at it myself and just move on about it. Like, I wouldn't see anything like that. Too so, Christine, at all, what like. should
1: she do at this point then? Should she just sort of leave it be or should she make an apology? <sighs> look, you know? uh,
15: uh, the no need for an apology, like she yeah. didn't insult anyone personally, it's not about anyone that's in the group, it's, yeah. uh, I hope not anyway yeah. but like it, if it was just a harmless message and they're all adults and it's not too gross, I'd I just be like oh sorry guys, clicked the wrong thing or you know something like this the more she reads into it or the more she gets more embarrassed and hyped up about it, the more they're like if someone made a big deal or something, I'd be like, can't sound, it's only something small, do you know?
1: Right, of course. yeah. But she's obviously very, she says she's mortified. here, you, know,
15: you would be. I, yeah. I, I sent a message one day and I swear to God I was absolutely scarlet over it. I didn't <laughs> want to show my face for a month and I was like...
1: What, you said it to the wrong person, was it?
15: Yes, <laughs> I was meant to send a message to my partner, to my boss. Ba- I was meant to send a message to my yeah partner and I sent it to my boss. Whoops. Telling him, like, you know, so I was not in, so in pornographic or, or anything like that, <laughs> <laughs> but it was just about like your home life and dinner. And it's like, oh, see you later, babe. Love you, and all this. And then, oh like, Lord. I realized I had sent my boss, and I was like, sweet. And I was only in the job about two or three weeks, like, and <laughs> I was like, sweet mother. Of God. So, go on. Like,
1: what I'm happened, just... anyway? You were mortified. Did you, did you, yeah, I was.
15: So scared of going into work, but my boss it was like that. She just kind of laughed it off, and she's like, "Well, did you enjoy? Did you get your steak dinner and all this?" And I was just like, "Come here!" I was just like, "Do mm, you know there's a, there's a day a the year that goes around as well get lucky a steak day?" And it was coming up to that, and she kind of just made a joke about it, and I was just like, "Oh sweet, mother of God, I'm
1: mortified!" Oh, <laughs> I, I don't love need it.
15: To did, about a month, like.
1: did you send a CV to the wrong person as well? Did you?
15: Yeah, I did that. Yeah. yeah, I sent a CV to the wrong person as well with all my details on oh it. I didn't know who I sent it to, but because, um, like that, it was I was in the same job like, and my boss said, "Look, we we have your, your email So I was like, well, "I was sent." because no you haven't I don't know who in God's name got my CV but anyway <laughs> <laughs> no one contacted me back about it all my details anyway so and
1: and do you think most people that you know were the recipient of, of the saucy text as it's described here um, do you think they'd just laugh it off and say look you know
15: Oh, well, I can't see why anyone would get judgy about it. Like, it's, if Anthony, you sure wouldn't have shared with your own partner, and make a bit of a joke out of it, because that's the type of person I'd be anyway. But like, hey, look, I got a nasty message. I've watched his name inside the group chat. It's the first thing I do.
1: Have a look at this and so you <laughs> see what it is. Yeah.
15: Right? I- like I'd never look and be like oh my god did you see what Mary sent into the group and you know something um, like that like you would never like, I mean like come on life's too serious as it is every day anyway everything's gone PG can't do anything without making someone embarrassed like
1: isn't it just I think her main problem though was it was a parents school group so you know
15: yeah well look there wasn't any kids
1: in it and yeah, yeah. God
15: knows absolutely. she could have spiced up someone else's life there that hadn't had a dog's <laughs> message <and> in a while. <laughs> <laughs> the woman
1: could have done them a favour. <laughs> Christine, it's lovely to talk to you as always. Happy Christmas to you, Christine. And
15: you too, friends. Bye-bye. Dogs. Bye-bye. That's uh, Bye-bye.
1: Christine with, uh, with a very funny look at what's happened. Um, Helen joins me now. Helen, good morning to you. Good
16: morning, Fran. How are you?
1: You, you sort of think a little bit differently and you think she needs to apologise, does she?
16: Yeah, been, yes, but now at this point, it's a few days later, and I would think the following, that if a few messages have been posted to that group since she posted her accidental text, she needs to say nothing. But if there's been nothing at all happening, then an apology. You just say, sorry lads, I sent that by accident. It was meant for my brother, lull.
1: Mm. And just leave it at that.
16: And just leave it at that because do you know something? We all send uh, inappropriate, maybe oh, not sure in a I know. Text.
1: The wrong uh, text to the wrong people. Oh,
16: yeah. I, you know. Know, Brian, I had an incident where I was administrator on a page, and I was putting up a fairly serious message about somebody, and I was describing. We call her Mary, right? Right. And uh, she was the wife of Jack. And I am um, autocorrect getting way, And it was Mary, the ride of Jack. <laughs> and I posted it to the site. and didn't realise I had done it. I got a phone call saying, Helen, what the hell? That's what you talking about. I opened it. I fell against the wall, laughing. <laughs> oh my God! The right, you see, auto correct correct his wife and ride as two words.
1: Oh, oh stop! Oh yeah. Lord! Oh Lord! And how did ago. you how did you deal with that?
16: I copied it, um, deleted the original message to the page, posted it to the new one. Took I took ride out and put in wife, and reposted it because you see, I didn't want ride seen in the history. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I think that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I hope they saw the funny side of it, but maybe not.
16: Um, no. Well, very few had seen it, but okay, the, those right. who did thought it was funny. But no, neither neither John nor the right saw it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is probably just as well. Yeah,
16: well, is probably just. But here you know, I've had a number of mad incidences you know like posting to a group while chatting to somebody else and a single text and putting oh, oh my god i put in this guy's nickname and it was one he was kind of aware of but we wouldn't have used it to his face what? and i posted it to my friend but bloody hell the group text missed popped up oh. i posted it to that instead Oh, and oh, and one and with Facebook Messenger, you cannot delete the message for all.
1: Oh, so, can you not? Oh,
16: no. Lord. So I was talking about scarlet, scarlet, and only because I got caught.
1: And of course. <laughs> and did he come back to you on that? Did you get?
16: Oh, he did. He oh, was Lord. like a lightning whore. <laughs> not to put too fine a point on us. Oh my, because it was kind of like, you see, because it was a play on his name, shall we say. Oh Lord. And um, so, so I can't say, because he has a very um,
1: Right, well you needn't say it to me then. You'll get me name, into trouble as well was, as yourself. So
16: get you into trouble, then we'd be completely... Oh, stop. stop. it be a case of right or right then, Fran, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it certainly would. It's but certainly it happens
16: to be. us all, and we need just to go, oh my God, I'm human, sorry, boom. That's but it. you know,
1: there, I'm boring people around here by Telling them before you press send on anything, reread it, reread, it. Oh. And, and we really all need to do that, don't oh, we?
16: Oh yeah, but the best of intentions. Like the my right one, I read it, missed, still the correct, had yeah. John. Yeah. And there you go. And then when I was sending that message on Facebook Messenger it was just the group one uh, popped up, didn't realise it because I was talking to my other friend, I was cutting up some vegetables, I was talking to the cat. You know, multitasking isn't what it's made out to be, Fran.
1: So women really can't multitask then, Helen, is that what you're telling me?
16: <laughs> well, when we mix up wife and right, Fran, what can I say?
1: <laughs> I'm not sure what a, what a psychotherapist would make of that really but, but uh, there you go. What did we do when, when we didn't have all these platforms to communicate with each we other. We put
16: letters in the wrong envelope. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened too. But I that was thinking too. about yeah, that, Fran. I was thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a card one time and it was uh, with the deepest sympathy. And I thought, huh? And I rang my friend and I said, why? She said, oh my God, I'm after saying congratulations to my friend <laughs> whose grandmother died.
1: Oh, God, Oh forgive
16: no. me for that.
1: <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. So even so, yeah. back then, it was happening.
16: Yeah, even back then, communication can break down, and sometimes spectacularly. And it even happened before we had any of our platforms. Yes, it's is. just more immediate now.
1: Yeah, but can you yeah. can you understand why the lady in question was so upset? Because you see, oh, it yeah. was it was a parents group, and I think that that's really what threw her.
16: I think yeah, I can I can see why she'd be mortified and upset. But the thing about it is that she's only human, and I think honestly she's beating herself up, yeah. and she needs to put away that whip now and go. Do you know what, girl? It's over. It's done. You made a mistake. You're human.
1: Yeah, ab- a- yeah and absolutely. give
16: herself a hug.
1: Have you ever been uh, appalled or insulted by something that was sent to you, whether it was by accident or design? Now you know the way you can send all these various. <laughs> of...
16: Yeah.
1: Oh, do, you, do you hear the laugh out of her? Have, have you? Have you been? Appalled by anything that was sent no, to me.
16: No, not really, but kind of going, what the heck? I, let's say a mutual friend of ours, starting with a letter P, sent me a picture the other day, and I was going, what the heck? And then afterwards, I, I said back to him, I said, well, what exactly was that person doing? And then I laughed, going, he's winding me up. <laughs> but never appalled, because I think... Yeah okay, I'll get back and say what's going on yeah, before yeah. I go all appalled because it may not even have been meant for me.
1: Right, okay, of course. And if, it, yeah.
16: if it's a real, if it's a filthy text, I'd be disappointed if it's not for me. Because <laughs> I was born with a mind as pure as the driven slush.
1: Of course you were, Helen. Of course yeah, you were. Yeah,
16: as well as having that halo that fell off and went around my ankles and
1: <laughs> Helen, it's a delight to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time okay, this friend. morning. Thank you. Helen. Okay, and, thank you. And, and keep happy sending Christmas the text. Or
16: something like that. Yes, will do. <laughs> All right, bye-bye,
1: <laughs> Helen. Manny, happy returns to you. Thank you. That's Helen uh, speaking to us today and cheering us up as we end the show. And that's it for me. Uh, Emma produced. Uh, Ali looks after our content. Stephen is on the way with The time tunnel, and I'll speak to you tomorrow. You look after yourselves now, won't you? Bye bye.
3: Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slattery'sgarage.ie.